we go. We are outward bound for Kingston Town with a heave-ho-ho. Ho. And we'll heave the old wheel round and round. Good morning, ladies all. And when we get to Kingston Town with a heave-ho-ho. Hello and welcome to WGTC Radio, the official podcast of entertainment website We Got This Covered. I'm Jonathan Lack. And I am Sean Chapman. And we are here to talk about the PlayStation 4. PlayStation. Sean, we finally get to talk about the PlayStation 4. Yes. Having played the PlayStation 4. Yes, I, I played the PlayStation 4 at my PlayStation at my home. I also call my station. Nice. Yeah. Alright, so Sean, Friday... PlayStation 4 came out. We also released an episode where we talked about the previous generation of video game consoles. Yes, we did. The next gen is here. How are you feeling about it? Tappy and and overwhelmed with I have way too many games to play. Yeah, right me now too. Because I got like a whole bunch of games with the PlayStation 4, and I still haven't actually finished Dark Souls, and I still really want to finish Dark Souls. But now I started playing Assassin's Creed 4, and now I need to finish that too. And it's 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 hard. It's hard. I have too many. I've and I fucking started playing Need for Speed, and that's. There's just too much. I, there's too much stuff. I'll take Need for Speed from you if you no, want. I want to play you. that game. No, it's, it's okay. good. I'll give you twenty bucks. No. All right. Well, we can barter on that later. Sure. <laughs> Off the podcast. All right. So, Sean, we're going to talk about the PlayStation Four today. Initial impressions. If you want a full, in-depth look at my take on the game, I wrote a really, really long review of the PS4 for We Got This Covered because it turns out when you're talking about a console, things get long. There's a lot to touch yeah. on. So yeah, I can imagine so. Yes, so I had a lot to talk about. You can go read that on We Got This Covered. We'll talk about similar stuff, but, you know, in a different form here. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe at the end of this podcast, if we have time, no guarantees, we want to talk about Thor the Dark World, because we like Thor. Yeah. We like Thor the Dark World. Yes, very much so. We like talking about movies, so we're going to try to talk about that. Yes. But, again, we have no... If, if by the time we're done talking about the PS4, we're three hours into this, fuck that. We're not talking yeah. about Thor. I probably do not have three hours in me. I'm a little... I got a bit of a cold, and it hurts to talk. So, I may have to mime and have Sean say what I want to say. Sure, yeah. I'll just... Okay. I'll just make up whatever you want to say. Sounds sounds good, Sean. All right. So, PlayStation 4. Sean, where do you want to start? I had kind of an outline for my review I thought might be good to start, follow. Sure. But... Let's let's do that, because I haven't given any thought to how to start. Okay. Well, I started by talking about what was in the box, but let's just say first how we got the box. It came in a really in big box, fucking box. Man, did you, when you said, when you had that section, what's in the box, did you have a picture from? <laughs> Seven? Yeah. No, yeah. I did not have Brad Pitt's face oh. there. That's that's like that's like Internet 101, motherfucker. Come on, what are you doing? I, I did this not, is an amateur hour. I did not put the images in the piece. I filed okay. it and other people did that. So anyway... Shame on them. Where was Brad Pitt? No, that's okay. You should have put I a note. Have. Like, you should have informed them, hey, get that the fucking screenshot from the end of 7. God damn it. Good, good point. But I was just, we were commenting earlier, the Amazon box our PS4s came in was fucking huge. Yeah. Yeah, like, I and still have both the boxes right here, and the PS4 box is maybe a fifth of the size of the box it came in from Amazon. I had to, like, dig in there to get it out. And it was really funny because when I got my PS4, because we both ordered it from Amazon, so it just got delivered. Yeah. I, like, opened up the door. The box was there. It's just, like, it, the box was huge. I was like, whoa, like, this is going to, like, in my head, it's just seeing such a huge box. I was like, this is going to be pretty heavy. And then I picked it up and was like, oh, no, this weighs, like, 10 pounds. Like, yeah. it's literally it's just a fucking PS4 in there. 10.6 pounds, according yes. to UPS. Oh. Yes, yes. But, um, but no, it's it's funny because I think the PS4 box 
it's compared to the last console, console generation launch, this is a very svelte box. Yeah, yeah, it's like the size of like a suitcase or something, whereas yeah. the Xbox the box in particular, because I never bought a PlayStation 3, was just like a big cube, so yeah. you couldn't you couldn't take... Like, if you wanted to use the PS4 box to, like, put your PS4 back in and, like, take it somewhere with you, you totally could. It's got a handle. Yeah. It's nice. So, anyway, let's talk about what was in the box. We got the PS4 itself, we got the, the yeah. controller. Hilariously, though, we also got this mono headset. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> you know, because you should have a headset. Like, the PS3 did not have a headset package packed in with it. And you want everyone to have the capacity to, to chat online... I don't know. Okay, theoretically you want that, that, but I don't know if you actually want that because nobody ever says anything useful online. You and want from a business standpoint. Yeah, Let's say that. Yeah, sure. Because you want people using your services. But, you know, you also don't want to put in like a, an expensive headset into every single box because that would just cost, cost a lot more money. And so instead they just gave us a tiny... Like literally this wire... It's like the Wii sensor bar is the only other thing I've ever seen with a wire this thin that and I feel she, like I can just break it. Like I could just pull this wire and I could just snap it. Or floss with it. Yes, or floss with it, yes. There it's are all just, sorts of things you could do. What you really can't do is use it. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not a good headset. If you put the earpiece in, it physically hurts your ear even if you didn't have a cold. Um, uh, the audio through the mic is pretty good. I tested it on a stream I did over Twitch and it sounded very good. But I just, at that point, I just clipped it to, like, my shirt and didn't worry about the, like, earpiece. Mm -hmm. So, if you can use it for that if you want, but yeah. it's, it'll still be so cheap. You're like, you got to push it into the DualShock 4, and you're like, it's going to snap, isn't yeah. it? But luckily, you, it's just, like, a basic sort of, like, headphone jack. So, like, you yes. can plug, like, iPhone headsets or, like, anything yeah, like that in I've, there. I've tried two pairs of iPhone headsets in mine. Sean's done the PS Vita headphones. Yeah. So, lots of options. That's actually one of my favorite features of the whole console, but we'll talk about that soon. Um, what else was in the box? They gave us an HDMI cord, which I thought was kind of unnecessary, but appreciated. Yeah, well, it seems if you want everything in the box that you need to be able to use the fucking thing. Okay, so I just don't remember. Did would previous? I guess they would come with AV cables, but now yeah. we have HDMI. Okay. Yeah, like That's you, why. you don't. Yeah. They're not going to send you the fucking console here's, without but, all the cables. But here's but. what I was going to say, though. I have never bought a console previously that came with HDMI cables. Yeah, yeah, thinking, because the HDMI is the only way to plug this thing in. Right, so but you can't use component cables. Or I know, cables. but what I was about to say. Let me fucking finish. Well, whatever you're saying is even, wrong. It's no, just dumb. Of course, it has a fucking HDMI cable in it. No, wait. Let, let me finish. I didn't remember that the Xbox way back in the day didn't even have HDMI. That's how long that generation was. It's crazy to me to think yeah. about that. The original Xbox I owned. No HDMI. That component was the max. That's crazy to think about now. Wait, the 360? That was a long time. Yeah, 360 did not have an HDMI. Yeah, the original 360 no. totally has an HDMI. No, it didn't. Yeah, like I have mine fucking plugged into my TV through HDMI. Uh, like no, my... the, the Elite has it. They, no, they the added it for the Elite. No, you do not have it plugged in through HDMI. It did not have HDMI. I'm going to prove this to you. Okay. Well, anyways. Yes. Regardless... Of course, the PS4 has an HDMI because the HDMI cord is the only way to fucking plug it into a TV. All right. So, so that's what's in the box. That's pretty much everything. You got, it has you got a power cord. Yeah, we got 10, 10 free bucks got, on PSN. Yeah, that was a nice. USB to is it micro or mini? I was micro, thinking, which micro, was just a yeah. tad disappointing because I have all these mini USB cables laying around yeah. for the PS3. I, only, I already have like an extra micro USB cable from something from fucking something. I don't know where I have that from, but now it's I just use that because it's a lot longer, but. Yeah, I had. I think I had one for my dad's old Kindle. That yeah. was an extra, but yeah. Yeah, but the micro USB cable it comes with not very long. It's like it feels like it's probably actually like three feet long, but it feels like it's like six inches. Like it's just it's not long enough. But 
whatever. It's like, luckily, basically every single cable other than the power cable is just a normal proprietary thing. So, you know, even just the hard drive, you can replace the hard drive internally with any sort of standard laptop drive. So that's, you know, compared to like the Vita with its bullshit memory cards, everything is is nice and not bullshit with the PS4 as far as that stuff is concerned. According to Tech Radar, this is a story from 2008 when the Xbox 360 added an HDMI okay. output Maybe dongle. That's what I have. Yeah. Because when Xbox 360 first launched, gamers worldwide wondered why Microsoft failed to include an HDMI port, motherfucker. Okay, Jesus, Jonathan. Just back the fuck off, man. Okay, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Let's talk about the console hardware. Okay. We're just talking about the like physical attributes of the console, things it does physically. Um, it looks nice. That was yeah. my first impression when I pulled it out. Was like, you know, normally I don't really care about the look of a console. It's striking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just looks a good. Fucking parallelogram. That's great. Yep. Tired of all these fucking you know lame ass goddamn rectangles sitting under my TV. Yes. And it's small. It's about the size of the PS3 Slim. Maybe yeah, a little yeah. wider, but shorter also because mm-hmm. it's not domed on the top. Uh, I actually got to see an Xbox One recently at a Best Buy. That thing is huge. Mm-hmm. That is like... I wouldn't have a place to put that mm-hmm. where it wouldn't overheat. I could put it on the floor. Or maybe behind my TV, except there's too many cables now. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, like it seems like it's about, like, original Xbox size like, yeah. type console. It's the original Xbox with fucking... Well, they gotta, they gotta have that size so they can do yeah. their live TV. Yeah, the fucking... <laughs> Xbox One, original Xbox, it's got to be the same size. Yes, they're, they're really the same thing. Maybe, Not really yeah. all. But nomenclaturally, they sound yeah, like Yeah, the yeah, just the same, yeah. Forever, it'll just be Xbox One. Yes, but um, setup of the PS4 is easy. The ports are all... I thought it was actually pretty easy to access the ports on the back. Sometimes that can be on certain consoles, like on the original Xbox 360, they're all sort of domed in. But yeah. it's very easy to access everything on the PS4. Um... From a hardware standpoint, there's lots of nice improvements over the PS3. There's the basic, you know, the standby mode thing. Yeah. So you can charge your controllers, it can do patches, all of that sort of stuff, which mm-hmm. is great. We can talk about that on the user interface level later. Um, but, you know, from a hardware standpoint, it works really well. Uh, except for one issue I've been having. Yeah. And some other gamers have been having this, some people have not been. But I want to talk about it now because I think this is the place to do it. My PS4 can be very, very, very loud. Now, what's your experience with it? Because it sounds like you got a perfectly functioning PS4. Yeah, for me, my PS4, the only time I've noticed really any sort of hiccups in terms of like the hardware or the noise or anything like that is, especially when I got it on launch day, when like PSN was like down and up, then down, then up, then down, then up, and like for me, it was just down until yeah. six p.m. and I couldn't do anything. Yeah, so it, so like it sort of pinging the Sony servers and like it actively trying to do that. And then also reading, like, trying to stream data off of a disc and read it to the hard drive. And then simultaneously me trying to play, like, Resogun or something off the hard drive. Like, it trying to do all those things at the same time would make the main UI become really sluggish. And then also that's the only time when I notice any noise really at all. Like, every once in a while when it would, like, have a disc in the drive that's trying to read off of disc tray would like make it a little like eh, well, yeah I, I'm not talking about disc tray noises that... yeah but it's not anything it's not like original Xbox 360 thunderous hurricane type okay. noises you know well mine does thunderous hurricane louder than 360 type noises often mm. uh, it was mostly the first day and it was probably something to do with the online stuff although at that point I still couldn't couldn't connect to the internet like I got the day one patch and then I couldn't connect again until 6pm I would try to sign in and it would just say it's down 
Um, so for a while I couldn't do anything, but when I would start to play stuff, I would put in Knack or Killzone, even after it was done installing, because it installs very fast, yeah. it would get very loud, it would get hot, it would become so loud I, could, I had to like put in headphones to hear the game. And at one point I even put in a Blu-ray movie of an old Charlie Chaplin film, so not demanding on a graphical level. Yeah. Um, and it was so loud I had to turn it off because I was... And, like, unplug it because I was afraid for how loud it was. I have never heard a console get that loud. I've never heard a computer get that loud. It was nuts. Um, since then, it hasn't gotten that bad. When I watch Blu-rays, when I stream movies, that sort of stuff, other media, it's fine. It does not make noise. It sounds like the PS3. Quiet. Um, when I play games, however, any game, um, if I get into it 20, 30 minutes, it will be making noise. And it won't be horrible. It's... Less than the original 360, but it's in that range. Hmm. Um, it's making noise. It's it's loud, and but sometimes it doesn't happen. Like last night when I was playing WrestleGun with you online, yeah, it was not doing that. It was fine, or maybe at one point it did start doing it. I forget, but like, okay. yeah. I'm, I've gotten used to it now, but it annoys me a little bit. And if most PS4s aren't doing that, I'm gonna have to talk to people about warranty. Yeah, <laughs> would, yeah. Like it sounds like your PS4 has a bit of like a heating issue or something, so it's kicking yeah. on the fans. Yeah. Um, like, a lot more than it should. Right, because it should, you know... I'm launching Flower. Flower should not be doing that to the PS4. Yeah. Flower looks gorgeous. It should not be doing that to the PS4 on a noise yeah. level. So, there's that kind of stuff. And that's a little that's a little disappointing. Hopefully, it can be fixed. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's launch hardware. You know, like, yeah. that's... That happens, like, no matter what. Like, even... Like, you know, like, people... And it's kind of, like, interesting... That, with the exception of the Wii U, which is just really different because it's the fucking Wii U. Like, we haven't had a really big major console launch since, like, Facebook and Twitter and that kind of stuff became a thing. So, like, looking at online, like, the Amazon reviews and stuff, like, there are a bunch of one-star reviews. And by a bunch, I mean, like, 300 or so because of people, like, getting either PS4s that were straight up bricked right out of the Amazon box or that got bricked at some point of them using it. And that's, like... At first you see that and it's like, oh god, it's Red Ring of Death all over again. And then uh, you see, oh wait, they sold over a million PS4s day one. And then you remember, okay, like most, like tech things have a 3 to 5% like failure, straight up failure rate, more or less. Like that's like kind of the expected rate of failure you should have, especially if it's a launch thing. It's a little yeah. bit higher than that. And at least Sony's claiming it's about like 1% or less than 1% right now. Like who knows? Like it's hard to tell with like... Nobody, I don't think anybody's actually collated, like, collected all the data yet right. to be able to analyze it. But and this is so not... far, yeah, so far it doesn't seem it doesn't seem catastrophic. It's so, nothing's like, catastrophic, yeah. and it, this is not as bad a problem as some people have been having. Um, it's fine, you know. I, it's not interrupting yeah. my playing. It was worst on day one, but day one had a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. um, they got that fixed surprisingly fast. Since PSN went back up for me at six PM, I haven't had a fucking hiccup. Yeah, on my PS4 either. except trying to use Music Unlimited which is broken and terrible and I just was trying to use it for journalistic purposes I don't actually care about that service but it is part of the system I wanted to review it but okay. we'll talk about that yeah. later um, speaking you've talked about million sales yeah. I wanted to mention this because this was crazy to me that is by far the biggest console yeah, launch yeah, in history yeah, by, especially because that's a million sales in the US only because yeah. PS4 only launched in the US on Friday so yeah it's nuts. Like, the highest before that is the Wii. Uh, it launched on for Black Friday, sold 600,000 units. And for other, you know, references, 360 was 326,000. PS2 was 500,000. So this just blew that out of the water, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I think that's appealing to hardcore gamers works. That's an yeah. installed fan base that you can build on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely reassuring after, like, one, the Wii U 
failing to take like get any traction whatsoever. Yeah. And then also, I just feel like you see every single day someone claiming like tablet games are d- destroying the traditional video game market, and it's like, well, no. I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five just sold ludicrous amounts of copies. They just like broke every single like launch day console sale record. Yeah, video games are PS4, bigger than so, ever. Yeah. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. So fuck you and your fucking tablets. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't get people who talk about tablet gaming. That's not yeah. really gaming. But oh well, I don't, I don't get people who buy tablets in the first place. All right. So anything else to say about the console hardware itself? Like just like on that very basic level, not really. Like yeah. it's it's looks nice. You know, like it comes with like the 500 gigabyte hard drive. Which so far, if you're doing disc based games, I don't think that's going to be an issue for me. Like no, not at all. It might like a long time from now be something I have to consider upgrading, but. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that a little later on. the The way it does installs floors me. Just yeah. floors me. We'll we'll talk about that soon. Um, let's talk about on the hardware level the DualShock Four controller. Okay. Yes. So, Sean, let's let's back up here a little bit. Okay. What are your thoughts on the DualShock Three? Oh, it's a piece of shit. It's it's easily, especially like when you compare to the three sixty controller. It's one of the worst controllers I've ever used. Like I fucking hate the DualShock Three so much with a passion. Because the triggers are terrible, and the sticks are terrible, and the entire controller is small. It feels like it's just going to snap. Like, literally, I mean, you broke it when you were playing <laughs> Last of Us. I'm surprised I never broke it at any point of, like, playing all those PS3 exclusives. Because it seriously just feels like you could twist it and it would break. So like, I-, I kind of want to try it. But I don't actually own a DualShock 3. So all the DualShock 3s I've used have been owned by other people. So I don't want to break someone else's controller. But That's nice of you. Yeah. But if I owned a PS3 and like two DualShock 3s, I would totally break one of them after I got my PS4. Just just to do it. Just to prove to myself that if I twisted would just fil- slightly, it would completely snap in half. Would you film that? Put it on YouTube? Yes, totally. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to let Sean... Put that down. That's the foundation. But no, here's the worst thing by far about the DualShock 3. Yeah. Is that since it's so small, and since both the thumbsticks are on the same like plane, that when you push right on the left thumbstick and left on the right thumbstick, your thumbs touch. And that's fucked up. Okay. So contrast that, you know, venomous hatred <laughs> yeah. with it's what are your thoughts terrible. on the DualShock 4? It's probably the best controller I've used. I would say like I... Ever? Yeah. It's, it's really fucking good. It is amazing. Yeah. It. I remember, you know, picked it up for the first time, and my hands just formed to it. Can I hold yours for a second? No. Okay, it's mine. Never mind. So my hands you just don't get formed to touch to mine because it's mine. Okay, my hands just formed to. This is after like, you know, I let you use my PS3 for like a year. Yeah, didn't you like broke? You broke a PS3 controller, bought another one, then we're like out of town for a while, so you let me like borrow the PS3 and gave me the broken controller. So fuck you, asshole! I'm not letting you touch my DualShock Four. You have a good point. Yeah. yeah there's so, no, like, why did you give me the broken one? Why, like, there's, you didn't have any use for the good DualShock 3. It was just sitting in your fucking house. Like, what the fuck was with that? So the DualShock 4, um, I really like the DualShock 4. Like I said, when I picked it up, my hands just formed to it in a way that was really surprising. Because I've always had, even on the controllers I love best, which is like the 360, I don't always know what to do with all my fingers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like, on the PS3 controller, the DualShock 3, I can basically kind of barely fit my pinky and ring finger around the handles. Yeah. Or handles, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, my middle finger doesn't know what to do, and my right finger kind of rests in between the R1 and R2, but never knows where to be. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 360, 
my again, it's ring finger and pinky finger. My middle fingers are kind of squished there by the battery pack, and then obviously fingers go on the triggers. Though even then, I've I, as the 360 cycle went on, and just by virtue of using the 360 controller so much, I kind of started to wish there was a little more to hold on to around the trigger area. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the PS3, my three fingers, the the pinky, middle, and ring, they just yeah. go right around the handles. Fingers go right on the triggers. They feel really comfortable. They support your fingers. Uh, your thumbs go right on the thumbsticks. They cannot touch. Yes, you exactly. would have to really work hard at that. It's it look it's so close. I'm showing yeah. Jonathan so close. It's the perfect for my hands. It is like the perfect size. Yes, it's it's awesome. And then you're holding it, and it just it feels right. And then when you start gaming with it, it feels even better. And then the other thing that I think is really cool is the actual grip material. It's all plastic. Yeah, on the back. Yeah. It's all plastic, but it's really nice. It's not like PS3 DualShock 3 cheap plastic. Yeah. It's really nice, and the grip material is... It's a little slippery at first, but then you kind of you get used to it. It's not bad slippery. Yeah. But it's slippery in a way that your hands don't get hot while playing, or at least mine don't, really. Yeah. And on the DualShock 3, I would, like, sweat profusely on that thing because it was just kind of uncomfortable to hold. Yeah. And on the Xbox 360, after long gaming sessions, it was kind of the same thing. Not to that degree at all. It felt fine. But the DualShock 4 just feels... Right and cool in your hands. Yeah. And it is a damn good controller. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, like, I really... It's, like, the sort of textured grip on the back is really nice. And for me, I... When I... Like, I have done this probably since the original Xbox controller. I don't know why, but I hold controllers a little differently than most people. Where I put my index fingers on the bumpers and then my middle finger on the triggers. Because I don't know why people don't do that. Because it's like, I want to access all the buttons at the same time. And for me, this is just the comfortable way to hold the controllers. And that totally works. So it would other, work really well with yeah, that. Yeah. So other people who hold controllers in an intelligent way, like me, this, it works well. Like that's that's always a concern when I have I have for when new controllers come out is that I know I hold controllers slightly differently. So it's like, oh god, is this going to be the one where like this slight different way I hold the controller fucks me? That's like they they make it impossible yeah. to hold that way. And then also holding it that way makes it very easy to snake your index finger around to touch the touchpad. So that's a good point. Yeah. That, that sounds cool. So, let's talk about the buttons. So, the controller okay. feels great. Long gaming sessions is awesome. Um, with the buttons, let's start Let's start small. So, let's yeah. start with something the PS3. This was not a, really an issue, but they improved it. The, the face buttons. Yes. Um, they were analog before. They're digital now. I tended to find on the PS3, some games, the analog function would mean the button, buttons were a little too muddy. They wouldn't quite click right for me. Functions would not go in. This happened on Batman Arkham Origins where there's a combo I literally cannot do because it will not detect those two button presses at the same time. Yeah. It will do it on the DualShock 4. And I find the button click significantly more satisfying on the DualShock 4. Yeah, it's not something that, like, I never... Although I never had played a game on the DualShock 3 that required me to press two buttons at the same time. Yeah. So, like, I never felt like the buttons were bad on the DualShock 3. But they, you know, these are good buttons. They, they click well. Yes, they do. Um... They raise out slightly higher from the controller face. I like that. Yes, they, they make a perfect square now. That's, as, and it's really yeah. noticeable when you compare them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the D-pad. D-pad on the DualShock 3, awesome. Good yeah. D-pad. Yeah. Even better here. Yeah. I like there's a little, like, they divot down in uh-huh. the middle. I really like that. It just, like, feels like a natural place to rest your thumb. It does. And I don't know what it is, but you can also, if you need to press two directions at once, I also know this from Batman, you can do that a lot easier on here, mm-hmm. but with the same precision of the compass rose directions at the same yeah, time. Yeah, So really good. That's, the, you know, the, 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 the D-pad for me was the historical strength of the DualShock and the yeah, PS3 yeah, controllers. Um, and now it's even better. So, you know, they really improved even things that I don't think anyone was clamoring for improvement on. Mm-hmm. And that's a good sign. 
So let's move down. Uh, okay. Let's go to the, the thumbsticks. Um, okay. You you have more passionate feelings about how much you hate the old thumbsticks. Well, they're fine. How like how do you not utterly despise them? They're so bad. They like my fingers, my thumbs slip off them. I feel like every single minute I play a DualShock Three game because there's yeah. no grip on them whatsoever. I put grips on mine. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's that's that fixes the controller, but not by anything Sony did. Yeah, yeah. So it's because the on the DualShock Three. The, the the thumbsticks are concave, so they yeah. push out. No, I don't which like. Which makes no that literally makes no human sense. Like, who designed that? Your thumbs go on the thumbstick. Like, if like making it concave makes it more resistant and pushes your thumb away. Right. It's so fucking dumb. No, I don't like the concave. The sticks themselves, I, I wish I always wish they would click like to press easier. That was always a problem for me. Um, I never, I, uh, yeah, like I never had an issue with that. I would, but like the bigger thing. Beyond all that was just they felt really loose and imprecise to me. Like okay. that's that's the biggest problem I had with them. Like because even the the concave stuff you can get around eventually just by like force yeah. of habit. But they they are massively imprecise, especially compared to the DualShock Four or Three Sixties. Okay. Well, now these are very familiar thumbsticks to me. They feel a lot like the Three Sixty. Yeah. In terms yeah. of range of motion, in terms of how they click, very satisfyingly. Um, but they also do something that I I like. You know, the Three Sixty does this. Convex, right? Yes. Yeah. And I actually no. like this... Concave. What? Concave, sorry. I actually like the DualShock 4 more where they have like a mixture. They have a ring around it yeah. and then a concave or a convex. Yes. The up one. Yes. It's concave and, goes in, convex goes out. And I feel like it's even more grip for your fingers. Yeah, I agree. It definitely... It, yeah, it's got like a weird little like sort of yeah inner ring that then is convex and that's sort of... I don't know what it does, but it feels nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we have R1 and R2. Yes. Um, obviously, R one and R or R one and L one, R one, R two. We have we have the R's and the L's. Yes. That's what we fucking have. Now, L one and R one were never really a problem on the old DualShock Four. Yeah. It was it was the twos that was the problem. But even here, I think the uh, the ones and one, the L one and R one yes. are improved. They really feel you. nice. They're a little bigger for you. I assume they're easier to rest your fingers on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it just feels nicer. Like they they feel more kind of integrated into the back of the controller yeah. than, than the DualShock Three. They always just kind of like. I don't feel protruding out a bit more. Like these just feel a lot more natural to me. And I, I think that's also an improvement over the 360. Yeah, where those yeah. Bump, those bumpers are fine, but like they really feel like like you said, more part of the controller. Yeah, and these just feel really easy to depress in a way that bumpers have never been on other controllers for me. Yeah, they work really well. But the by far the biggest improvement, I hope we can agree, yeah. is the L2 and R2. Yeah, these are my favorite triggers for anything ever. They I are agree, so yeah. good. It is like the biggest change in the world from L1 and yeah. R, from R, L2 and R2 on the DualShock 3 to those buttons on this controller. That's, that's a cosmic leap. Yeah, it's just... Because again, someone at fucking Sony when they're designing the DualShock 3, or I guess like really all the DualShock controllers, but at some point they never realized that, hey, if you're making like a trigger button, triggers go fucking out so that your finger can rest on it and pull it. They don't curve in so your finger slips off it. That's not how fucking physics works. And they figured that out this time. They're like, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your finger rests on the trigger, and then you have some grip. It wraps a little bit around the finger so you can pull in very easily. Yep. That's what a fucking trigger is, goddamn. But it. even more than that, it's not just they got the basics down right. It's that yeah. the size of the triggers, like, you really can rest your whole kind of knuckle on it. Yeah, I really I agree, like yeah. that. I like when they depress, they... They're easy to depress, but they also have this slight resistance. It feels so satisfying. It does. Depressing them. Like, it feels like it takes, like, a sl- like the perfect amount of effort. Like, it doesn't uh-huh. feel like it just depresses. Like, because the 360 triggers, I feel like they just depress without any sort of force whatsoever, which to me always manifested in when I would set a controller down, it would 
like and I was watching like a movie or something on Netflix all of a sudden it would be fast forwarding I mean yeah. that was that problem was sevenfold on the DualShock 3 because those things fucking like I said curved in so they rested on top of the fucking buttons but right yeah here I've never had a problem with them like actually accidentally being depressed when I set it down well even more for me the 360 triggers were uncomfortable for me and they always were and it was I've never that... I never thought they were uncomfortable but that's it's... yeah it's just hands right and it was just for me it was it was not uncomfortable for a first person shooter like if I'm playing mm-hmm. Halo it was fine I didn't start to realize that they were uncomfortable until I was playing like Grand Theft Auto games or racing games anything where I had to hold the trigger down for extended periods of time yeah. that really hurt my hand on the on the 360 I could not in fact I had to, had to keep moving my finger because it would just I couldn't get a grip on it it felt weird because then there's there's kind of barriers around it on the 360 controller yeah. you run into the battery pack it just wasn't comfortable for me in those contexts it was yeah. again it was fine for some games but on the DualShock 4 you know I've got Assassin's Creed you're holding yeah, down R2 yeah, all the it time feels, that's definitely good like I hadn't I hadn't like thought about that before, but that is definitely yeah. true. That that when you're playing a game where you're holding down the trigger for extended periods of time, it feels a lot better. Like actually, I know you haven't played Need for Speed yet, but that is by far like like using the R two and L two for a racing game feels fucking awesome. Like, I assume there's it would, yeah. Especially because like the, the they're kind of you know they're a lot wider, and there's just something really satisfying about particularly because Need for Speed does a good job. Of like conveying like the like horsepower behind the car you're in, and so it's like your car just like revs up, and you hold down on the right on R two, and it's like your car starts going. It just feels fucking. It feels really good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely when I booted up in Need for Speed for the first time, and I started using, it, I was like, okay, yeah, these are fucking. I just I kind of want to play this game just for the feel of like using L two to brake and R two to accelerate because they just feel. Really satisfying. Yeah, when my console's off, I just like depressing those buttons. Yeah, it's fun. This is a great controller. But yeah, let's... it's like it's funny, you know, because we both agree that like the Vita has like the most weirdly satisfying D-pad of all time, and like thumbsticks are just like messing with them when you're not doing yeah. anything. I feel like this controller has that for R2 and L2. I just like fiddling with them. I do it's too. Just yeah, like, there's something just mechanically and physically satisfying about depressing them. It's so just I find myself just fiddling with it constantly. Yeah. Alright, so let's talk about the new things on the controller. Okay, yes. We got a touchpad, we got um, options, and we've got share. Share. Now, options has basically supplanted start, although it has other functions in the in the user interface and stuff. Yeah. And it actually basically like, just means options. It means right. it because you know, at some point, start doesn't mean anything. Did start ever really mean anything? Why was start called? No, because only on the NES did you actually have to press start. Yeah. I mean well, because there have been start screens in video games since time immemorial. But dedicating an entire button to the start screen makes no fucking sense because, hey, every single start screen, if you push, press any button, the start screen goes. It doesn't matter. Like, you can yeah. fucking press X. Yep. Although that's one of the things that actually I don't like about PS4 games is when they say press options to start at the start button or at the start screen. Fucked up. You should just say press X. Just do X because options, that looks dumb. Right. But either way, options button, you know, on the user interface, you can use it to bring up literally just options yes, on games options. and stuff. It, right. means, it means what it is. Which is nice. Um, how do you feel about using the options and share buttons? Uh, like, it's the weakest part of the controller that I think it's, uh, they feel a little bit too depressed into the face of the controller to me, but it's not like a big deal. But it's, the, it's literally the only part of the controller that I have any complaint about is I wish they protruded a little bit more so you had a little more purchase on them. I can see that. But, I... like, but it's also... But one of the reasons why it's not a big deal is because you're almost never using those buttons. So, like, if I'm just pressing options, like, whatever. Like, I'm just pausing the game or checking my options so it doesn't... 
you know, I don't need to hit it really fast to do a combo or something. So it's right. not a big deal. Yeah, I don't have any problems with it. The only problem I had was when I was trying to get precise screenshots on Resogun, hitting the share button in time could be a little tough. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I'm talking about with it yeah. being depressed. You can't just like you you can't just hit it really fast. You have to you have to sort of like think about hitting it. Right. So it's fine. There, yeah. there. It's not bad. It's yeah. just something that maybe could be a little improved, but not a big deal, not a deal breaker or anything. Uh, the touchpad, obviously, is the big addition to this controller. Yeah. Um, and not a whole lot uses it yet. I was surprised to see the user interface does not use it at all. Yeah. That's a little surprising, um, but fine. Uh, what what games have you played that have used it? I've seen it on Killzone and on Trine 2 and on Assassin's Creed. Let's see, yeah, like Killzone has it, Assassin's Creed 4 has it. Like, I haven't played Trine, so... Okay. Although I, I have... Well, I've played Trine. I just haven't right. played Trine on the DualShock 4. So I use the Zoom on Trine. That's for the uh, wizard stuff. Yes. That sounds way better than using a thumbstick. I actually kind of want to try Trine on it now. It's it's a little imprecise. I still use the thumbsticks. But oh, if you yeah. want to... It's kind of... It lays it out so wherever you press on the touchpad, you're pressing that point on the screen. Mm. So it's a little good there if you want to get to a point on the screen really quick. But, um, I mean, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Because... Like, I never, because I played Trine on the PC, and I never yeah. understood how you'd be able to use the wizard on a thumbstick, because it's like, using the mouse for the wizard is so natural. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, because I don't think, yeah, I'm pretty sure Need for Speed doesn't even use it for the map, so. Okay. I, I'm pretty, like, Killzone is the only one that I use the touchpad for constantly. Like, I don't really use the, or at least, you know, you have to press the button for the touchpad in the AC4, but I never use it to navigate, because they fucked up that somehow really bad. It's, it's really on, laggy. I, on AC4. It's weird for me where I'm. I use it when I just need to scroll around the map. Yeah, but then I, if I need I, to precisely I, touch something, I have to use the the, the yeah, stick. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to the games. But yeah, like other than that, the touchpad, like using it in Killzone, the touchpad feels really responsive. Just because in Killzone, basically all you do for it is it's kind of like another D-pad where like up is you have this thing called an owl that is basically just a set of powers. That's like you be a turret be like a shield be a shock thing or like hack or like uh what is it a fucking zip line and so you have like you have four powers because hack is contextual and so like up is turret right is hack uh down is shield and left is uh the shock and so it's basically just another d-pad that you use to like you know it just like rests on that ability for until you change yeah. it it felt and like a really natural use of yeah it. it's really quick it's really precise and it's it's really just it's a I was surprised by how naturally I just immediately took to it without having to think about it at all. And it's something that I'm kind of excited about that, like, other games now can have... So it's Other games will be able to do kind of what games on the PC can do right now and just having a bunch of different powers sort of at your fingertips immediately. That with this, you can... you could I could even see if you went eight-directional. It's probably responsive enough to do that, in, like, really quickly. And yeah, so I'm imagining, like, a, really satisfying. a situation like a Valve game on Steam where you have the, the literally the scroll wheel does your weapons and stuff. You yeah. could do something like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, you just, like, really quickly cycle through a whole list of weapons. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely... So I was impressed by seeing that, like, a very, like, immediately a really natural, simple, logical, and practical use for the touchpad that wasn't something like, oh, like, do a fucking hacking minigame. Which is what I was immediately afraid was going to be. Like the Uncharted like the game on Vita. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, we'll talk about this when I get to Killzone. But Killzone is like a great launch game in terms of like how it uses the features of the console. Uncharted is like the worst launch game I've ever played in terms of how it uses the features of the console. The, the Vita one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my original Uncharted was not a PS3 launch game. But yeah. Right. But then, yeah. So the touchpad feels really responsive. It depresses. 
as a button too. So, and I, I like that for uh, like bringing up the map at least on Assassin's Creed yeah. Four. I like this just right there. You just press it. Yeah, I like that. I wish more. I wish that would just be your start button, honestly. For yeah, a lot sure. of things. And then I like how they have like the the symbol for the touchpad is so just sort of like this weird black rectangle with like dots in it. It's yeah. like how do you convey like this is the fucking touchpad, guys, yeah. with a symbol. Now, do you wish you could control the user interface with it? Uh, like I don't. I wouldn't do it. So like it's, I think it should. I would like. To, I wish the web browser used it. That's the part yes. that's really baffling to me. But I'm sure they're going to put that in. Like these systems, like this, and both the Xbox One are going to be are coming in so hot that like they're they're going to keep on patching in features continuously. And something like oh, navigate the UI with the touchpad is something that I could see theoretically programming it is actually really troublesome. And that like you don't want to. And it's not necessary at all. So you don't want to bother with it. And just like let's get the fucking machine out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, final word on the DualShock 4. Um, I don't know if I can say it's the best controller I've ever used just yet because I have eight years of experience with the 361. Yeah. But, I mean, definitely but it's like up there. The fucking D-pad, like, like especially yeah. playing... I mean, like, Assassin's Creed 4 at least fixes their, like, mini sub-menu stuff a little bit. But, like, having the D-pad there that's just, like, the fucking PS3, like, PlayStation-style D-pad to, like, quickly select weapons... It just feels so much better than the use of the 360 D-pad. Has always been so fucking terrible. Even I got the transformable D-pad, and that fixes it a little bit because it's sort of like it's kind of half a normal cross, but it still has that squishiness. And this just feels like if I, you know, I'm playing Killzone and I need to select like the adrenaline or something, and by pressing left on the D-pad, I can just do that immediately without having to worry about oh god, it's going to misinterpret my button push because it's just a fucking D-pad. Right. So that is, and since the 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 fucking sticks are just as good as the 360 sticks. The triggers are better, and the, like everything else in the butt, the controller is totally functional. That is why I think it's the best controller I've ever used because it's like I, it's got everything the 360 has, but the D-pad's a billion times better. I, I, I described it, I think, in my review as it, it combines my favorite things about the 360 controller and the things I like about the DualShock That's 3. That's definitely yeah. yeah. And I think it, it is it is probably the best controller I've ever used. I really love it. It's just yeah. I've only been using it for four or five days. So well, it's we've, we've, it's great though. We've got uh, some stuff about the controller. The light bar. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. That's my yeah. that's my only complaint actually personally, is that the light bar. Uh, I think it's probably too bright. It's too it re- bright. It like reflects to... off the TV for me. Yeah, it does for me too. Although it doesn't. The only time I notice it is when like the screen's completely black. Like that's the only time. And if it, I notice it then, it's not a big deal. I noticed it on a black and white movie, and I was like, oh, I have to put it oh, over yeah. here away from the TV. Yeah, but yeah, it's normally not an issue for me at all. But, like, I think... I wish they at least gave you the option somewhere to either turn it off completely because it's not... Like, unless you're using it for, the, the like, a camera game, it's never going to be, like, necessary. Or at least to, like, dial the brightness down because I've several times been playing a game, like Killzone, and a lot of times when I'm playing a game, I'll have, like, an itch on my nose or something, so I'll just, like, bring the controller up and itch my nose, and then I blind myself because the, the light shines right into my eye. I'm like, oh, God! Oh, I have to, like, re... Like, this, this muscle memory I have learned over my entire life of playing video games, that I've just done that and I've never thought about it before, I can't do that anymore because I will go fucking blind if I keep on doing that. Right. I, uh, I do like, in Killzone, how it uses it when you die, it's red. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's actually really nice because it's, it's basically a life bar because it will go oh, from cool. green to, like, yellow, orange, then red. And so I did find myself, because, you know, in Killzone, 
it does the Call of Duty thing of like the, the edges of the screen grow red, which yeah. is nice, but it's also really annoying because it's so imprecise about like how much health do I actually have. So I several times found myself when I was in cover, it's like, am I about to die? And I look down and I think my see my thing flashing red. It's like, yep, I'm about to die. I should stay in cover. Whereas yeah. like if it was orange, I was like, I can maybe go out. So it is a nice. That's the only time I've seen it that like it, it, it has conveyed any sort of practical information, but it's not a whole lot. Although one thing that was really annoying is after I played Killzone and then I started playing Need for Speed, for some reason Need for Speed just has the light as default red constantly. So I like it, and after playing like the like marathoning the entire campaign of Killzone, seeing like the red like reflected off my hands and like like out of the, my peripheral vision, it said was so ingrained as I'm about to die that it took me like five minutes of playing Need for Speed to like not be kind of. Like, I was finding myself, like, kind of almost hyperventilating, just like, oh god, I'm about to die in this game, like, what's going on? It's like, okay, it's just the fucking, like, my brain is in taking in incorrect information because of that fucking light. Right. Yeah. Alright, uh, we should also talk about the microphone. Yes. So, yeah. Or, or not the mic, the speaker, the speaker sorry. Yeah. Uh, I really like the speaker. Yeah. Um, I think that they use it really well in Resogun. Yeah. Um, it's great for arcade stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's better than, like, the Wii... If you go, if you use a Wii remote, yeah, at least for Wii me, Scott. the speaker never worked right ever on any of my controllers. There was always oh, interference, it, and it wouldn't do it, it. For me, it worked right, but I did not want it to work right because the speaker on the Wii mode was like the speaker on the Game Boy Color. Like it was so bad that the, the noise was so tinny that, like, especially playing Twilight Princess, that like whenever you would slash your sword, a sword noise would come from the Wii mode, and then, like mid does little like. Basically, Minda's version of "Hey, listen" would come out of the Wiimote. It was like, "Fuck you!" It sounds so bad. And in Killzone, like what they actually do with this, the controller speaker in Killzone. Oh, I just turned on my PS3, but uh, or PS4. But what it actually does is it basically, uh, it's like your audio logs play out of it, and that's really cool because it's it's the speaker's not like you know the highest quality speaker in the world. It's never going to be. If you like putting a speaker into the controller, but it has like that right sort of tinny quality that I feel like when I pick up an audio log and the audio log starts coming out of the controller, that's like, especially there's one section probably like in the fourth level or something where you get an audio log that is really disturbing because it's like basically recording all these people dying this horrible burning death, and when that started coming out of my controller, like I was, it was kind of affecting in a weird way of just like oh god, like I felt like. It broke this boundary of like I'm hearing I'm not hearing this out of the game I'm hearing this in like real life in a weird way yeah and then it was also nice because then if like one time I was playing an audio log and I was like oh wait I don't have my phone with me I should go grab my phone so I went upstairs and took my controller with me and grabbed my phone and was listening to the audio log from the controller while I was going upstairs nice not like a huge practical thing I'm going to use all the time but if like I mean hopefully we just get away from fucking audio logs and video games soon anyways but if we don't hey put it through the fucking speaker because that's kind of cool yeah alright so the la- uh, last thing I have to talk about with this controller and my favorite feature bar none is the the headphone jack mm-hmm. because and this is one of my favorite things about the PS4 just in general is yeah. that you can just plug a pair of headphones in audio comes through it's super high quality amazingly yeah, so yeah. it sounds great and so much so that I sometimes find myself just kind of wanting to just play all the time like that even if I don't need to yeah it's really cool and I think that is just that takes so much stress away from having to you know with other consoles you would have to go buy a headset or something expensive to make mm-hmm. sure you could get headphone audio through your game yeah you don't have to do that anymore you can use anything and that's yeah. awesome it's really awesome 
Yeah. And it yeah. just works. You just plug it in and you're good. Mm-hmm. So the other night, you know, I was there and there was some, there was some that dinner party going on in my house. And I was like, well, I'm going to play some Assassin's Creed and put my yeah. headphones in. It was great. And you can do it on movies and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Works well. Mm-hmm. Anything yeah. else you want to say about it? Uh, let's see. There's one thing of where it's this weird little touch, but I really like it. Is that the L1, R1, L2, and L2 or and R2 are flipped? Yeah. So it's like when you because you know you you look at the controller by like turning it up towards your face and blinding yourself with the light bar. But like that's so like they read right side up now instead of like before you'd like turn the controller around laterally and that would keep it right side up. Now it's just like oh yep that's what they are. It's not like I never need to do that, but it's a cool touch. Like I think it just looks better that way. It does. It yeah. does. All right, Sean, let's move on. The next thing on my outline is the user interface and the experience. This is kind of the meat of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, talk about the UI, talk about features like remote play and sharing and that kind of thing. But overall, what do you think about the basic you know, user interface of the PS4? I really, really like it. I'm a big fan. I yeah. love it. It's definitely, you know, it's one of those... It's, it's still kind of basic in some ways that, that, like, you know, it's not perfect. Like, no UI is ever going to be perfect, but it's definitely a really great sort of, like, starting place for them to be able to, like, add more options and stuff into it. And I feel like, I hope... You know, because with the PS3, the PS3 has had the cross-media bar, like, the entire time. They didn't do the thing that Xbox did, the fully revamp the UI, like, every three years or so. And I hope with the PS4 that they stick with that, of just, like, this is the base UI. It's never going to be completely different, because I don't think, like, there's any... It doesn't need to be completely different. Like, the Blades at some point would have, were just completely impossible to use because they were so unwieldy that they needed to make the new Xbox experience. But for this, like, the UI is, like, simple, functional, fluid, nice to look at, easy to use. All it needs is more options and stuff, like, baked into, like, the, the meat of it. But it's still got, it's got, like, the most basic options that it needs to have anyways. So. Yeah, it's the best UI I've ever used on a console. I really yeah. love it. It's very, very usable. It's fast. It's fluid. Um, I've had really no hiccups with it. It works great. Um, as you noted last week, uh, or, or you know, you talked about how sort of it looked like the main screen was going to be like a recent page. Yeah, and it is. And I honestly, in looking at pictures before the PS4 came out, I didn't know if I would like that. It looked a little messy mm-hmm. when just in pictures, but when you actually use it, it feels great because you realize that's what you need. Yeah. And so if you want to go play WrestleGun every day, you don't have to go through menu after menu after menu to find WrestleGun. Yeah, it's, it's just, just right there. there. Yeah. And everything you will ever need is right there because it's unlikely you know, you're going to need to go searching for stuff every time you want to play a game. Yeah, and even if you do, because it's like you're not going to, you know, you're not going to like every single day, oh, I'm going to go play this game that I haven't played for three years. But it's like if like you, oh, I want to replay Assassin's Creed 4, you can just scroll. I mean, if, and you bought it digitally, you can just scroll all the way to the end where the library is. And just pull it up that way. Yeah. So that's nice. Although, and then it'll be there. Yeah. Although I, the library should be on the far left. That is like, because that would make way more sense to me than to scroll all the way through the end of the list to try to find a thumb something that, like, you would arrive at eventually by scrolling through the whole list anyways. But, yeah. Yeah. In any case, um, it's really good. I like that. And then I like how if you just go right up, there are all the options you need. Yeah. They're all laid out super easily. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to take up time going into all parts of this, but it's just like you I feel like you should because this is the most this is this is the fucking console, the UI. I spent like seriously, I got my console at like 5:30. I did not start playing Killzone until 8:30. I spent that long just fucking around in the main UI, figuring out everything about that console. Wow. So this is the most this is the 
it's the best game I've played on the PS4 so far. Well, then you talk about it. What did you love so much about the UI? Okay, the number one, because I feel like I just have to get this out of the way right now, because okay. this was the thing I was happiest to see, is I... that the memory interface is not bullshit anymore. That, like, on the PS3, the memory interface was so terrible, because all the, like, everything you wanted was everywhere, like, in all these different places, so, like, save games were one place... That like movies and music and everything were like were everywhere else. Like dynamic themes are saved in a different spot. So if you want to just like like start deleting stuff off the hard drive on a PS3, it would take you like a fucking day to just go through every single place and delete all the random bullshit you have. In PS4, like they need to like they need to slightly improve like some of the usability because I feel like it's not entirely clear all the stuff you can do because it took me like ten minutes messing around with the memory interface to figure out how to like delete and move around it quickly but you can go into the system settings and immediately go into just like application data management and it kind of like the Vita has a very similar screen of just it shows you like here's like games movies miscellaneous like whatever their like categories are and you can go in there you can find your saves you can find the like installs on your hard drive you can find your apps you can find your screenshots your like the video clips you've made like basically everything installed on the console you can just access through one simple, easy-to-use memory screen. It's just the only thing is it like, selecting on the items brings you to, like, this screen that just has more information instead of, like, a screen that gives you everything you can do with it. Instead of do that, you have to, like, press options. That's the only thing that doesn't make sense to me. But It's a pretty you, little thing. Yeah, once you get used to it, it's not a big deal. Like, like every complaint about a UI is going to be kind of like a weird, niggling little complaint that's not a huge deal but that's yeah. like yeah and honestly it's that's way better than the ps3s it's not quite as good as the xbox 360s was but it's totally fine like it's not abysmal like i thought the ps3s was well and overall this reflects my personal views on the ui is that everything from the system management levels up is so easy to use mm-hmm. and this was kind of the thesis of my review is that when i wrote about the ps4 is that to me the ps4 is the ultimate advancement of the basic game console idea which is to deliver powerful gaming technology in a really simple easy to use package and i feel like the ps4 so immensely delivers on that promise on every level like something Mm -hmm. as little as you got a headphone jack and the controller easy you don't have to fuck with it anymore it's really simple to use and on the ui level i think it's the same thing all your main stuff it's right there use it yeah. Um, you can even access some good, decent options from each of those things on the recent screen. You don't have to go to another page. Like yeah. I think on the 360, when you go to recent, it's just a list of uh, you know launch applications. It's it's, it's the, the yeah. You have to go into the guide on the 360. Like go over to the left, go to recent, and it's the last ten things you've used, and that's it. Right. Like you can't scroll any further down, which that's annoying. Yeah, and you can't you know really do anything with those except launch. Yeah, the yeah. Apps. You can't. You can't. You can only just launch them. Right. Yeah. But then on the other level of just like I, you going through friends lists and stuff was super easy yeah starting party chat doing things like that um you know working with uh your profile all these things it's just super fluid mm-hmm. i just love it all and then the level also of you can just go back out to that main ui from a game at any time yeah. no yeah. pickup super fast it's so good it's kind of staggering it's yeah like, like the, the greatest thing about it is because you know you on the controller you just press the ps button once and it just takes you to the main ui no matter yeah. where you are basically and I love how it can do that about five times faster than the 360 can load up the little guide thing. Right. You know, it's loading up the... It's loading in the main fucking UI, like, at lightning speed. It's just so... Like, it's loading it up fast enough that it's just like, I will be... Oh, what time is it? And I'll just press that, look at the top right corner where the time is, and just press it again and go right back into my game. And that takes, like, 
a quarter of a second to do. It's it really satisfying. It's amazing. It's nice. And it's just like, and it's other things it does on the UI level that I think are so cool. Like, you know, you buy something in the PlayStation Store, it's downloading, you can do anything else yeah. you want. If a game is installing from a disc or from the, you know, from a download, you can do whatever you want. It'll have notifications. It'll let you know what it's doing. I like that. They're not obtrusive or anything, but they're there. You can learn about them. It'll do cloud storage uploads. It'll do your video uploads. It just, it does things, the, the, all the stuff you need to do for you. You don't yeah. have to stress out about any of this stuff anymore, and that's amazing. I love it. This is the console I've always wanted, and I feel like it's the UI that really pushes it forward yeah. on that level. But a thousand times more important than that, like I discovered something earlier today that absolutely blew my mind. If you go to a game and press options and go to like more information, it gives you fucking patch notes. If like you've downloaded that's a patch, awesome. This fucking like most of the patch notes aren't like very good, but there's the potential for them just being like when I game patches, I can find out what the fuck it does. Which a lot of the times from like the 360, that was not a big deal. But every once in a while, I download a patch and like. If it's a more substantial patch, it's like I want to know what the fuck it does, and now you can find out. Now you can find out whether or not Assassin's Creed Four's patch is 1080p, which it is not. And it's it's so cool because I really haven't run into anything that is, you know, non-intuitive. It just is fluid and fast. I see what you meant about some of the storage stuff, but once you get used to that, it works. Yeah, it's not a big deal. And they Uh, can—that's something they can and will improve. I mean, these are basic. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, like everything we talk about here is completely mutable basically because like I said like it's such a good base to start building off of that stuff like YouTube support for like video sharing and stuff like that that is going to come eventually it's just like the most basic stuff is what's in right now and that's what I would try to focus on my review too was I kept saying look it's not perfect but nothing's perfect at the start, and it's already at such a yeah. higher level than what we have. What would you could be? What are yeah. you complaining about? And, and what it would it would for it to be like the perfect that people want it to be? The console wouldn't be out for another year, basically, of them yeah. just like tying up deals, putting in like all these apps and support for all these other like things that just would have taken forever. So it being where it is and now it, is and, fine. And yeah. as you said, this is this came in hot. Yeah. The PS4 and the Xbox One, and it doesn't really feel like that in mm-hmm. most ways. There was Except no, for yours, when yours like the fans well, go blaring and starts over. True, yeah. true. You it's know, it's coming in real hot. Yeah, day one, obviously PSN was down. Um, I could not get on for hours. I was just kind of playing disc-based games. Um, yeah, and for you, me, you like realize, I got the the my PS4 at like five thirty, like I said. So for me, by the time I put it up, it was the PSN was down, but it wasn't. Well, like PSN was down in terms of like I couldn't like I probably couldn't buy anything from the store if I had wanted to. But, like, I could sign in to PSN. Yeah, I couldn't like even... Basic so, stuff like that. I couldn't even sign in, and that's what bothered me more than anything, because I wasn't sure I was going to be getting my trophies and stuff and, and save games and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that was a little weird. I really would have liked to have my you know profile on there, but it all worked out in the end. And I wanted to ask you about this. Sure. Once I got my PS4 up and running internet-wise, and I think the internet integration on the PS4 is awesome, you really feel like you want this thing online because it yeah. runs really cool. Um, downloads and uploads and all that stuff was lightning fast. Yeah, there's it's, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's faster than like way faster than it does on my 360 or my PS3. Yeah, it's, and it's well, yeah, like the PS3, I always thought was kind of slow compared to my 360. So, well, it's really interesting because I have both my PS3 and PS4 wired into a modem mm-hmm. using the same Ethernet cable, same brand, and the PS4 is just lightning faster. Yeah. It's so much faster. It's crazy. Like I started. Like, my brother and I were going to... We we looked at... We needed a good co-op game to play, and Knack is fun, but it's not really a good co-op game. Yeah. So I was like, we're going to buy Trine 2. And it's like two gigs, and I'm like, well, maybe we should go do something else. I started downloading it. It was done so fast. Like, 20 minutes. Well, yeah, and it's got the thing that... Like, I don't know if Trine 2 did it or not, but it can do, like... 
if you will download like a certain threshold of right. the game, and then you can start playing to try to do that. I think like so. I didn't. Th- I didn't try it, okay. but yeah, I think it will do that. Yeah. I just didn't because it definitely you can start playing the game like off of a disc before it totally finishes caching. Because I did that for everything. Uh, you can start playing it like in ten seconds. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, do you want to talk about that now or in a later section? Sure, let's just talk about that now. I thought this was crazy. Where I the first game I put in was Killzone, and I was playing Killzone probably within twenty five seconds yeah. of putting the disc in. It's crazy because for one, uh, kudos to Sony and Guerrilla Games. No logos at the start. Yeah, that's really nice. How great is that? Um, and that just makes it really depressing when I put in like Need for Speed and there's like five logos up front. It's like, God damn it! Right. We'll we'll get there yeah, one day. One day. Uh, but yeah, so I put in Need for Speed. <laughs> I put in Killzone. I want to put in Need for Speed. I wish I had bought Need for Speed. I didn't buy Need for Speed. I bought Killzone. I put in Killzone, um, booted it up, and it's just immediately... And I know it's installing in the background, but no performance hiccups. I just started playing the game. It looked great. It played great. Um, And that was amazing. I'm like, not all the games can do this right. Put in Knack, same thing. Maybe even faster. Really, really weird. And then I do the same thing with Assassin's Creed 4, and other than the logos, same thing. I just can start playing it. And honestly, all three of those disc-based games, that's the fastest in terms of, you know, disc-based games ever, I think, that have loaded for me. I just put it in and I start playing, even though it has to install 40 to 50 gigs... That's crazy, and it's yeah. faster than any disc-based game I've ever played. And then when you actually play the games, load times are minimal. Yeah, yeah. Like, like for me, the like the, it's really cool. Like, the, it, it's way better than obviously having to just like install it and not do anything. But I did notice that, like I said, the, when I was doing that, like the UI, like the main UI wasn't terrible, but it became noticeably more sluggish. And then loads like when it's. This is obvious, like when it is writing stuff off that off the disc and reading it onto the hard drive, and that's the loading screw. The loading times are longer than when it's fully cached, but that's not like right. whatever. You know, I, I will wait an extra like ten seconds at the load screen while my game, my fucking console, magically runs the disc while it's installing. Like that's fucking fine. I'm yeah. not going to complain about that. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't even try backing out to the UI while it was installing because I was just playing the yeah. game. Yeah, and that's I mean, the main reason I did was just to like test to see how it affected yeah. it. So that's the only reason I would have noticed it, anyways. So that's really, really cool. And if anything, you know, I talked about this in a different section of my review, but it feels like physical media has more purpose than ever now because of that for mm-hmm. games. It's like, yeah, it's mainly going to be running it off the hard drive once you've installed it, but because of that. If you're running out of space, you delete it. Yeah. There's no risk whatsoever because you won't have to wait at all to start playing it again. Yeah, like to. probably six months from now, I will like delete Need for Speed, Assassin's Creed 4, and Killzone off of that section of my hard drive just to clear up space and not have to worry about, hey, if I want to start fucking playing Assassin's Creed 4 again, I can just put the disc in and be playing it again in like five seconds. You know? Yeah, and even though the downloads just does have that admittedly awesome feature of you download a little bit, you start playing, yeah. that's still not as good as I put the disc in, I'm already going. Yeah. By the time I sit back down, it's there. Mm-hmm. That's all really, really cool to me. Yeah. And I also like, here's just a little thing about the UI that I like. It treats disc-based games like digital games, so they're still there on your yeah, recent screen. Yeah, I like yeah. that too. So I feel like, you know, just because I don't have Killzone in the console at once doesn't mean like I've never played it, or I don't want to see, like, you know, because you can go to the game and go down, and it gives you, like, here, for Killzone it's nice because it gives you, like, a... Here's like an interesting new like like game type that is in the multiplayer right now, or here's like the last game type you played. Like here's like the achievements and all that stuff. And so I can go to that screen even though I don't have the disc in. It just treats it like here we go. Like this is like I wish Xbox did that when I went to my games and it just like had it like all the games I own, not just like the games I have digitally. You know. Right. All right. So what um, what else do you want to talk about on the UI level? 
Okay, like I'm trying to think of like I have a couple of like smaller complaints about stuff I wish they would change. Oh, I want to say one cool oh, thing though. Sure. Okay. From a social level, let's talk about some yeah. of the social stuff. Um, you know, I hope one of the things I said is you know you can integrate it with Facebook and Twitter. I did that immediately just so I had places to upload stuff to, and I use yeah. Twitter pretty heavily, so I liked having that. Uh, I wish you could more clearly like prioritize which social network you use. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't give a fuck about Facebook, and yeah. some things you right have to, to you have to use Facebook for. Um, I know this will change. It's just a little yeah. thing. It's like I wish I could prioritize Twitter, or you know, one day YouTube will come and that'll be fine. But you know, it's not there now. These are just little things to note for now. Yeah. But yeah. overall, the social stuff is good. Making a fr- like, we are our only friends on PSN. Yeah, yeah I don't I. know anybody else who owns a PS4 yet. So yeah. So, but I, making a friend request and accepting it was easy. Yeah, and then we, I fucking love that we can just use real names. Yeah. At some point. That just becomes a pain in the ass to try to know all these people I know in real life yeah. simultaneously by their real name and their like weird gamer handle. It's just like right. that they that we made when we were like eight years old. It's just like yep. let's just move on, guys. Let's yeah. Let's, you're Jonathan. I'm Sean. That's it. It's yes. done. Like who fucking cares? I completely agree. And then it's also just kind of to, to describe how cool I think the social side is. I just want to tell a little story from last night. Sure. So I was playing Assassin's Creed Four. I backed out to the UI to just look at the time, and then I saw, oh, I have a friend online. It has to be Sean. Yes. You know. Yes, process of elimination. It's a nice use of logic there, Tom. Yes, it has to be Sean. Um, so I go in, see Sean is playing WrestleGun. It's like, I have WrestleGun. Oh, WrestleGun okay. has co-op. Let's do this. And I sent a, fr- I sent a request to play WrestleGun. Sean got it. We got in party chat immediately, and then we were playing WrestleGun. Yeah. It was so easy and I could do that all without having to, you know, nothing stressful in that. Mm-hmm. It was the it was the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, and that's actually that reminds me of one of the things I really like is the party chat in this. You know, that's sort of like one of the infamous things that PS3 never had because I think like that was like just their network couldn't handle it on the PS3 was that it didn't have party chat and the 360 yeah. obviously introduced it with the NXE and so I used party chat on the 360 all the time because like that was just something that especially when I was in high school and I like knew like eight people who were always online that we would just go into party chat and shoot the shit while we were playing our games and then also it was the best way to all play like Halo together and not have to bother muting everybody else in the game because it's just like okay we're all in a chat with each other we are the only people we want to talk to I don't want to talk to Headshot420 out there fuck that guy like let's just talk to each other and but party chat on PS4 is really nice. It's really easy to get into. I like that you can when you send out like theoretically like I said we're the only like friends we have on PS4 right now. But when you're sending out party invites, there's a section where you could just like I could select as like all I think there's a max of eight people. I could like select all the seven people I want and send that invite out all at the same time as just like one group message. That's great. Yeah, and then also the the screen for the party chat seems really readable. There's some nice options about like. You could you could very easily prioritize party chat or game chat if you want need to switch between them for some reason. Like the party chat just seemed really nice and functional and clear and readable in a really nice interesting nice practical UI way that I was fond yeah. of. And on my end, it sounded really good for your voice. Yeah. And on your end, what did it sound like? Uh, it was pretty good. I think it was just like the headphones you used. There was a slight every time the noise came through from your end, there was like a slight buzz. Okay. Like it wasn't a big deal, but it was. I don't know. Like, like I said, that's, that has to be the headphones. It's right. Like, yeah. So so that's all good. Um, yeah, so from that social level, I really like that. I even tried the thing. It didn't quite work just because of the game. Not, not a complaint here. But I tried the thing where, okay, Sean's playing Killzone. I have Killzone in. I was playing WrestleGun. I'm going to try to jump into Sean's Killzone game. 
Now, if I had waited a little while, that would have worked. It jumped me right in. It's just that your lobby was full. Oh, and you can't. Yeah. That's, that's no one's fault yeah, or yeah. anything. Um, I didn't want to wait around. But if I had waited around, I assume it would have worked fine. And that's a cool feature, too. Hmm. Yeah. I think. So, the, I'm trying to think of the other weird social stuff. Like, what do you think about that? Like, the wet, what's new tab that's on the far left of the main screen? Um, I feel like if you had a lot of friends and stuff, that'd be interesting. It's like a Facebook wall. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot for me yet. Yeah, like, like we're the only friends we have on PS4 right now. But it seems it like like this is hard to say without actually having like a bunch of friends online, but it looks too cluttered to me that like at some point yeah. if I had like 30 to 40 friends all doing stuff that that would just be like complete and utter fucking chaos at some point, you know? Yeah, I would I don't know. I would rather have like a quick access to library there or something. Yeah, yeah, like it's not a you know, whatever. I would never. I'm just. I like even if I had like 30 to 40 friends and not just you right now online, I would never probably use it anyways because it's not something I'm interested in as a feature. Now here's a question though. Okay. Yeah. What it, does what's new also display stuff like if a new DLC comes out for a game that you own, will it show there? There was an ad for the, the PlayStation Store in there, so theoretically there would be like eventually you could have other like ad. hopefully they would just keep those ads restricted to what's on the PlayStation store because if that's what it is I'm totally fine with that like yeah. hopefully it's not an Xbox situation of like here's Mountain Dew it's like thank you I'm playing fucking PS4 right now I don't want to your fucking which I paid for yeah. yeah yeah exactly like if you're informing me about stuff like a deal on the store fine that's fair game but yeah so theoretically that could have sections Cause for I, stuff because I would like that because it's cordoned yeah. off so it won't be cluttering things for you. I mean, that's the other thing. You move away from that tab and it's gone. Yeah. But, like, if it was just stuff like, you know, hey, I know an Assassin's Creed DLC is coming out today. There it is. Link to the store. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yay. Although one one place that would be is on the individual game right, section where that. you go down. Yeah, there, there's, like, a little, like, notification, like, like exclamation point or something for if there's something new and, like, this, like add-ons in this right. section of the game. So, yeah. I just think it would be nice to have those all collected because let's say there's an add-on for a game and I don't know an add-on is coming out. Yeah. It'd be just nice to have those there. Yeah. Um, whether you're going to buy it or not. But that would be a use for the What's New tab that would be more useful for me at least. Maybe mm-hmm. for some people who have a lot of friends on PS4 it's it's really nice and they like it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not the best thing yeah, on the maybe UI. Maybe for, for the monsters who use Facebook they might like that fucking cluttered bullshit. But yeah. for sane human beings like us, no. I had to interface with Facebook way more than I wanted this weekend. Like, I... Because I haven't used my Facebooks basically since I came to college. And so I was contemplating... Because you can't... Or at least right now, you can't, like, you know, import your own picture to become your, like, PSN ID picture. Like, you, you could never do that before, but I was hoping you could just do it now. Since you can, like, connect it to your Facebook account, then it will use your Facebook profile picture. And so I was like, well, okay. Like, maybe I'll just put up, like, whatever... I don't even know what avatar I would use because I kind of like my Kratos one I have right now. But if I wanted a different like profile picture, maybe I'll just fucking link it to my Facebook account and do it that way. And then I like went into the screen to link it up, and I realized I don't even remember what email account I used for my Facebook account or what password I used. So it's like, oh god, like, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll make a new Facebook account. I don't know if any, if any of those features ever become useful in some way. Yeah, here's here's all the... St- this will transition into another discussion about the UI. Okay. But uh, share button stuff. Yeah. I, uh, for, I have a review of Wrestlegun up on We Got This Covered, and I thought, hey, Wrestlegun looks awesome. Uh, instead of trying to find promotional pics that showed off, why don't I just take pics of my own gameplay? Yeah. And that was so cool. So I just was able to say, hey, I want, as, you know, as a journalist, that's the picture I want on my post. Yeah. Just take it. 
And then what I had to do, there's there's some things I need to fix with this. We'll talk about that. But I was just, you know, I the only real way to upload them is either to send them out via Twitter or do them via Facebook. The easiest thing I have to do is I just uploaded them all to Facebook privately. No one else could see them. Yeah, Went in and sense. just got yeah. all the images down. And that was a fairly easy, it could be streamlined, yes. But it was a fairly easy way to get pictures from my review. They're in really good quality for the screenshots. Um, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, and that was the only Facebook integration that... You know, again, I wish there were better ways to do that, but it was a way I was using Facebook that did not annoy me 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the number one thing I think they need to add as a feature for that share stuff. Like, beyond, like, adding YouTube or something like that, is just allow me to go into the files and just copy that onto a USB drive. Which Xbox One will have. Yeah. They said today. Um so that's yeah, that's an advantage that'll have at yeah. launch. I think that's but that's that's come. going to come. Like that's yeah. that's an obvious feature that will come at some point. That like yeah, but I because I have some screenshots that I've taken in like little video clips I made. Like I have one video clip that's like eight minutes long of me falling out of the world in Killzone and trying to figure a way to get back in that I actually kind of fond of. But there's nothing to do with that. It's just like I don't want to upload that to Facebook. And here's all these people I knew from high school that I haven't talked to in four years. It's like, here's a glitch video from Chon on Killzone Shadowfall. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just want that video for my own personal use and, like, to have it... I did find you, there's, like, a place where you can watch the video in the PS4 UI that's actually really hard to get to. You have to, like, go to your profile, but... Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, they, need to, they so, need to have a feature where you can just pull right. that onto USB so I can put it wherever I want. Yeah, so let's talk about share functionality, though. Okay. For the most part, and honestly, this is all the features that were advertised, for me at least, they just work as advertised. Yeah. yeah. And Share really does. I mean, you, you open it up, it's got the screenshot there, it's got, you can upload it to Facebook or Twitter, you can make a video. Um, it's very simple editing, but it's, it does the job for what you need. Yeah. Um, you can upload that to Facebook. Um, I wish there was more, but more will come. Or you can stream to Twitch, and honestly, or Twitch or Ustream, I have not yeah. tried Ustream, I only did Twitch. Um, and I did a couple of video streams, and it worked really well. There was no hassle. There was no, you know, it, it's about 30 seconds behind your live gameplay, obviously. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, man, it worked really well. I could do audio over it. Um, it was pretty cool. It all just worked. Yeah. Um, I, you know, again, for videos, I wish you could either take them yourself uh, off on a hard on a USB drive or something. Yeah. Or upload them to YouTube. YouTube would be much more useful than Facebook, because Facebook, yeah. fuck that. Yeah, like, I don't know why you would want to... Like, I would be fine if I could upload it to YouTube and then, like, have it auto-generate a link to that video on my Facebook account, sure. But I don't want to upload a video to Facebook. Yeah, what kind I, of a maniac does that, like, ever? I tried it just to test it out. Yeah. And it was a video of, of Thomas and me and trying to trying to solve this one puzzle. <laughs> it took us for, like, 15 minutes. Sounds was, like a fun video. It was terrible, but yeah. So, you know, and I wish, there were, I wish we could record commentary over it, stuff yeah. like that. I wish there was more complex editing. I think these things will come. Those, those things will definitely come. I actually saw an interview with Mark Cerny at the, like, big PS4 review event like, a couple of days yeah. before the PS4 came out. And he said... That he was hoping, like, five years down the line, that those the features will have expanded out to the point where you can make, like, walkthrough videos and stuff, basically, with it. That'd be so, great. Yeah. Hopefully that's... If that's... Like 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 we said before, like, this is such a good starting point that I can easily see how you could add those features in eventually, and I'm sure they're going to. Yeah, know? and I think YouTube and stuff, that'll be quick. That'll yeah, be yeah. soon. Um, as for screenshots, I really wish... Um, and this is not a huge complaint, but it's something I would like to... It, none of this is stuff that, like, yeah. is big complaints. It's just, here's suggestions for stuff I'd like to see, yeah. right? Uh, so for screenshots, like, I was playing Resogun. Resogun is so fast, it was really tough to get the exact screenshot I wanted. And I wish it would just give you a selection of frames. Yeah. And say, like, which one do you want? Uh, I want that one. You know, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know that might be hard. I don't know how they could do that, yeah. but I feel like if they can do that at a certain point in the future, that would be nice. Um, either way, it's 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 it works just fine, and you can actually customize the share button yeah, to that, take screenshots yeah. a little more uh, precisely. Yeah, yeah, you can, because by default, the share button, if you tap it, it brings you up to the main share screen. That is just upload screenshot, upload video, or start broadcasting. And then holding it down on default is take a screenshot. Then double tapping it is begin video. And then I think you can double tap it again to end the video point. And then you can change that to basically making it so if you tap it, it takes a screenshot. And if you hold it down, it brings up the share thing. And that's what I did immediately because that makes more sense to me. Yeah. But it's cool. I mean, it's yeah. here's the thing. This is still so much better than anything we've ever had on yeah. a console level. It's not as good as, you know, Halo. But... That's a high bar. But it's yeah. so much better than anything we've had on a console level so far, it's really hard to complain. Yeah. It's like, this is And cool. then also, like, it couldn't ever possibly do the Halo stuff because no. that's all because they just save that that data of, like, the controller input and recreate it. So it's like, you know, you're not going to be able to ever recam videos of games from a UI level. Like, that's just not something that would be physically possible. Right. it's so different from game to game. Yeah. But this is a great starting point. Yeah. So that's share functionality. Anything else you want to say on that? On uh, share stuff... I don't think so. Like, like the. I mean, I guess we can just talk about like the live from PlayStation Four, like the streaming in general. Have you watched anybody's streams? Have you participated gone, with that? Gone in a little bit. Uh, it's you know, it's not the feature that interests me most. Yeah. But if if people I really liked were doing it, sure, I'd go yeah. ahead and do that. Like, I noticed one thing that was really strange is that there's no when you go into live from PlayStation Four, like the the basically the live stream section of the UI, there's no option to just be like like friends streaming you know you that'd can't be just, cool yes yeah that's because like you you sent me a text message when you started one of your streams to so i could check it out and i was like okay sure and i assumed there was a button for that but there no, isn't okay no, i was trying really hard to find it and then eventually i think it popped up in what's new and that's how i accessed it but it was like by that time i was probably done yeah, streaming. Yeah, yeah it was like there's no live from ps4 it's just yeah that's there there that's one thing that they need to implement pretty quickly because that's makes absolutely no sense that it's not there right now yeah Alright, let's talk about another feature that I really love. This and the headphones are like my two favorite features, and that is remote play. Yeah, um, remote play is fucking cool. Remote play is cool. I have my PS4 wired in on LAN to yeah. a 40 megabits per second internet connection. Um, I just want to tell people how it is, because I know it doesn't work for everyone. But I have that, I've got a lower level of my house, um, remote play works nigh flawlessly anywhere on that level. Mm -hmm. And it is so cool. I tried it with just about every game I have, and it really works as advertised. You yeah. boot it up, you've got your games there on your PS Vita screen, and you can play them, and they look really good, and there's only been minimal lag for me at certain moments, otherwise it plays really well. Um, you know, I've done it when uh, t my brother wanted to play some Mass Effect, I let him play Mass Effect on the Xbox 360, I was still playing Knack on my Vita, um, and then in bed one night, I was like, I wonder if this will work, and I pull out my Vita, and I was able to turn on the PS4 by activating remote play, yeah. went into Assassin's Creed 4, which was still in there, and went around and got collectibles for half an hour, lying in bed, and then turned the PS4 back off. It is fucking great. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, the Wii U does this as well with its gamepad screen, uh, gamepad and screen. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a more stable overall connection, because it's built in yeah. much more cleanly. But... I don't want to use that gamepad to play a game ever because it's yeah. stupid and it doesn't feel good in your hands and it's like you know holding a like you know Mayan stone like from a temple with that gamepad but the Vita 
I would play PS4 games with that because it's just mm. it's such a good controller. Just controlling it on the TV, it controls really well. So all everything about remote play, I think, is super cool and really functional for me. And I think it's a, and it'll only improve from here on out, I'm yeah. sure. But as a start, man, remote play is awesome. Yeah, yeah. For me, like I've unfortunately the 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 condo I live in has walls that are apparently made of lead. So like. If I go, basically, if I initiate remote play and I go, like, halfway up the stairs and my room's upstairs, like, halfway up the stairs, it basically kills the signal, which, just to give you context, me having my laptop in my room every once in a while will just lose signal to my router. So, it's, that, I did not in any way expect that signal, that to work. I was just curious. But, yeah, if I'm on the, my, like, the ground level with my PS4, yeah, anywhere, if I go over to the kitchen, if I go to the bathroom, which that's, realistically, that's the only place I've been using the roleplay so far, it works fucking perfectly. Like, it's, the, like, there's definitely lag if you're looking for it, you know, like, because I was just playing Killzone and, like, specifically testing to see if there was lag, and it was like, okay, yeah, there's some lag here that is, you know, noticeable compared to if you're using a normal controller on the PS4, but if you were just playing the game, I don't think you would notice it at all. Like, it's just... It's really smooth. It's really nice. You know, the games look slightly compressed and a little muddy, but that's expected. They still look really good. Yeah, they look good. It's just like, you know, just to give a base level, it's not, it doesn't look as good as you playing on the TV. Like, it's never going to. Anybody expecting that is fucking crazy. And, like, the one thing, and this is, again, just kind of unavoidable, just based on the fact that the controller has more controls, because it's just a controller... That on Assassin's Creed 4, I thought that played more or less fine because you don't need like R1 or L1 that much. But on Killzone, it was kind of hard to like actually play the game that way, having to use the weird touchpad as a replacement for those buttons because you needed, you know, like sprinting is something you want to be doing not constantly in Killzone at certain points. And initiating that by using the rear touchpad is not nearly responsive, responsive enough. So it's like which games you'd want to actually play on remote play is sort of, you know, a like you. Most first-person shooters, I don't think are like what you really want to play. If you had no other choice, sure, fuck it, go for it. But but I'll tell you what has yeah. worked really well for me. Knack is really good for that. Yeah, in I fact, can imagine that. In yeah. fact, I almost feel like should Knack have just been a Vita game? It feels better for that in some ways. Even though Knack is a gorgeous game and it's got good qualities, um, Assassin's Creed Four works really well because you just get to run around Havana and be yeah. like, "This is awesome." Um, Wrestlegun, surprisingly, I did not. Th- I thought that one would be too laggy to play. But it yeah. works really yeah, well. Yeah, I played Blood Gun. It worked pretty well. Yeah, like as um, long as you don't put it on the hardest difficulty, that's not going to work. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so mostly everything I've played, you know, and I can understand the Killzone thing. I have not Killzone is one of the games I have not tried yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, like I the only I have not tried Need for Speed yet. Like I imagine that would probably work okay, but not yeah. like. But yeah, like definitely, so like a third person action game would is probably like what you're looking for like something that does not rely on both of the like trigger buttons at the same time yeah. is, is what you really would want to play but, on but you know play. remote play is even good for just little things like I need to start a download I need to check something on the UI level mm-hmm. I don't want to start the PS4 and start my TV I'm in another room you can yeah. do that really quickly mm-hmm. and it's just little things like that it's a really really useful yeah. feature like, and, and it's cool that I didn't realize that remote play it's just like it would it's straight up on the system level it's not like going to a game and then initiate remote play yeah. you control everything through remote play so even if you wanted if you were watching a movie on Netflix and you were like oh I need to go like move to another room really quick but I don't want to stop watching this movie I don't know what situation that is you're going to the bathroom that's what that situation is no wait is. That, that works with Netflix yes it totally, okay. it totally worked it at does, least with Crunchyroll was the one I actually used it with okay it does not do that on Blu-rays and DVDs yeah the Blu-ray like Blu-ray and DVD stuff is a little weird like you can't even 
you know, like if you were using a Blu-ray and you try to go back out to the main UI, it has like that weird screen that's like, you have to stop playing the disc. It's well, like, that's just because Blu-rays yeah. were not built for that. You yeah. Know, this, the Blu-ray spec is, that's, that's old by now, that's from 2007. Yeah. You know, that was not something I anticipated when they programmed mm-hmm. the original Blu-rays yeah. and stuff. So, it's fine, that's how it works on the PS3 also. Yeah, and, but, I, and I can also imagine that, I don't know, at some point, because like copy protection stuff is a little yes. bit like weird with Blu-rays compared to games that maybe you don't want like to where like you don't want that signal just kicking out to a remote play like that might be weird and I understand that and it does not bother me in the slightest yeah. it would have been nice it's it's fine it does yeah. not bother me at all um, I did not expect it to work in fact yeah. but you know I yeah, put, but, in, put in my Charlie Chaplin Blu-ray and tested it out and is that like the one fucking Blu-ray? I, like, I, why got, is this... it, I got it over the oh, weekend when I okay. the, it came, not with the PS4, but it was there was a Criterion Collection sale. They have this new Chaplin movie. I wanted to see it. <laughs> it just, just seems so weird. Like that's, I mean, for me, it was Gamera because that's the only Blu-ray literally I own is the Gamera Trilogy set. That's it. So yeah. that was all I had to test out. This is your first Blu-ray player, Sean. Yeah, yeah, that I've actually owned. Yes, yeah. that, is, that is true. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the multimedia section. But for now, is there anything else user interface features level we want to talk about? I mean, I just want to say, you know, to make it clear, the great thing that Remote Play does is that if you have to go to the bathroom and you're playing a video game, that's no longer blocking but Sophie's you. choice. Yeah, it's not like, oh God, do I want to keep on playing the game or do I want to go take a shit? It's not, that's not this like harsh dichotomy that you have to encounter every day anymore. It's, that's... You can, it's just, okay, fuck it, man, I'm going to grab my Vita, load up PS4 Link, and, and the remote play happens in, like, five seconds. It's super fucking fast. Yep. So, there you go. It's, that's, it's fucking amazing. Last thing I want to say about it is yeah. to clear up a misconception some people might have. Um, you know, I, I was saying to my brother, like, man, this is really awesome. And he said, he, I said, this is, like, my favorite feature. And he's like, yeah, but you have to spend an extra $200 to use it. And I'm like... No, because the Vita does other stuff. Yeah, the Vita, like, I, yeah, we owned a Vita before. I'm, yeah. I've been perfectly happy with my, having my Vita before this happened. This is just an amazing, amazing add-on for both of them. Yeah, I don't know if I would buy a Vita specifically for this, but the yeah, thing is... Yeah, this is the only thing you were ever planning to use the Vita for. No, but, like, if you're looking at a Vita and, like, oh, like, I also want to play some of those games or something, then yes... Buy a fucking Vita. Or you just realize the Vita is a great video game system. And in fact, I think a lot of the best stuff on the UI level, it kind of was seeded on the Vita. Yeah, like that memory interface is totally straight from the Vita. Yeah, and the idea of just you pull out of your game and there's your UI and everything... Um, obviously, the UI on the PS4 is much better, but yeah. you know it's it's that would be so is. fucking crazy <laughs> if they had decided to stick with like the bubbles on a non-touch screen <laughs> and interface. they had done it and you had to control it all with the touch. Oh god, that would be terrible. <laughs> like I already thought it was nightmarish when I discovered that when the Vita launched, you couldn't even use the main UI with normal controls. That was something they got patched in before I owned a Vita because I never control the main interface with the touch screen. I fucking hate that shit. I just want to use the fucking controls. So, yeah, like, thank God that's not what happened. Like, think of what a disaster that could have been. Yes. All right, Sean, let's move on. Move on to what? We're going to move on and talk about games. Okay, I mean, before we do that, I actually have some more, like, a two UI things, I think. Okay. Maybe just one UI thing. No, two UI things, yeah. One is something that I think they really need to change because it's just dumb. When you get a trophy and you press the PS button, it should just take you straight to the trophy screen and show you or pop up something that just shows you what the trophy is immediately. Like, basically, the way achievements work on the Xbox 360. I agree. The PS3 does not do that, and it always annoyed me. Yeah, the PS4 does not do that, and that's just... 
it's just weird because it does do that for like notifications like when you sent me the Resogun invite and I pressed the PS button it took me straight to the messages screen I was like oh why don't you do that for trophies I am 100% confident that will be passed yeah that will, that will come in at some point they will then, hear yeah. that from fans and then also it's not a big deal because it's it's a lot faster than it is on the PS3 but it's I think it's dumb that it still has to sync trophies manually like that like that should just be in the background I don't know why that just seems weird but it's like I said it's it's fast enough that it doesn't feel like a big deal it's just fucking strange that it has to yeah. do that syncing trophy stuff alright anything else now can we move on there, there was something else. Okay, the one other thing with the way I think the way it handles game patches is really strange because when you, if you're patching a game, like you load up the game, it sees that there's a patch, it will start downloading the patch. First of all, like what it does if you're playing Killzone, it will say Killzone Shadowfall added to downloads. It won't say like patch added to downloads. It's just here's the game added to downloads, and then okay, like what the fuck is that? You back out, go to the download list. You see, it's like a fucking like twenty megabyte file. It's a patch. You go back into Killzone, and this is kind of this is cool that while it's patching the game, you can still play the game. However, obviously, it can't install the patch while you're playing the game because that's just not physically possible by the way fucking computers work. So when the patch is finished installing, then you have to back out, manually close down the application, and then load it back up, and then it will start installing the patch. Which, like, the only part of the, what they need to do is once that patch has finished installing or downloading and says ready to install, it needs to pop up a message that is just like, like, press the PS button to close down the app and install patch or something like that. Because, it, like, I was able to figure out how to install the patch, but it doesn't explicitly, like, even just knowing how to close down applications is not explicitly apparent on the UI. Like, that's something you have to figure out by playing around with it a little bit. So that's a weird... I think that's like that's actually probably the most important issue I've seen with it because I can see how that would really frustrate people who aren't like really technically literate. Okay. Yeah. And if you're if you're if it's just downloading patches overnight, it's all fine. It does it yeah. automatically. Although yeah. I should say I have not had any experience where I feel like my PS4 has actually done that. Like oh, every really? time I put it on my PS4, it started downloading patches. Oh no, I haven't had that at all. Hmm. Are you turning it off all the way or going to stand? No, it's, I'm standby. So. Weird. It's every night I, I, I turn the PS4 on and it's from like the hours of 1 to 4, it will have uploaded save games, it will have gotten patches. Yeah, like um, mine uploads save games and stuff, but it definitely has not been doing patches. So. Okay, it's done patches for me. Hmm. That's weird. Um, but we'll see. Uh, now let's talk about some games. Okay. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but, you know, because in part because I haven't finished any, well, I've kind of finished Retro Gun, but I haven't like, you know, really beaten a lot of these games yet. I know you've beaten one of them. I've beaten two. Okay. Um, Motherfucker. But sort of overall impressions and impressions of basically how it relates to the PS4. Like, you know, holy shit, these graphics are awesome. Yeah, okay. But let's start. Um, we'll each talk about the, kind of the first game we've been playing. What was the first game you played? Uh, Killzone. Like, okay. that was immediately... Because I feel like I said this before on the podcast that I it feels weird to me to play a game on a console. Like, the first game you play on the console is not like a first-party game. So I was like, okay, um, even though Shadowfall was not the game I was most excited to play, it was the one that I was kind of most curious to play, and it's the big first party, it's the only first party Sony game that I bought, so I was like, fuck it, here we go. And I, like, you know, Shadowfall has gotten pretty mixed reviews, and I understand why, but I actually really enjoyed it. I think it's probably, it's maybe not better than Killzone 2, it's maybe like on the same level as Killzone 2 to me. I definitely like it more than Killzone 3, because... 
I don't know. I like Killzone Shadowfall is way more flawed in terms of its campaign than any of the other Killzone games have been. But like the parts where it's good is way better than any other Killzone game has been. So like the first few levels of Killzone Shadowfall, I think, are spectacular. Like basically level two, maybe to like level five. With like I think level it's maybe level four. The one where you're on the space station sucks, and then. The, I think the mission after that is pretty good. And then past that, the missions go to, like, kind of middling to the game finishes really weak with, like, it's the worst missions are, like, the back, basically, fourth of that campaign. It's fucking awful, so I understand why it gets bad reviews. But like I said, the beginning, I think, is really good. And the multiplayer is really solid. And the biggest thing about Shadowfall that I really like is the graphics look fucking awesome. They're pretty amazing. Yeah, and it's, like, it's easily the best-looking game I've ever played. Like, hands down, nothing else even touches it. And that's... If, and if you just want a game to prove to you that the PS4 is is a next-gen gaming console and is a huge improvement over the PS3... WrestleGun. Okay, sure, but no, Killzone Shadowfall. Like, realistically, because, you know, WrestleGun's really cool, yes, but it's not, you know, it's such a weird, like, arcade type title. If you want a AAA game, Killzone Shadowfall 1 proves that the controller can handle first-person shooters fucking perfectly, whereas I always thought that playing Killzone on the PS3 was an inferior experience because of the controller. Like, the controller just made it physically worse. Because, you like, like Killzone 2 and 3, you didn't use the triggers on the DualShock 3 because the triggers were so fucking bad you had to use R1 and L1, which that fucked my head up so much because I was, you know, when I was playing Shadowfall, I was just immediately in Killzone mode that it literally took me until level 3 to fully get down the fact that I could just use the triggers on the controller to aim and shoot. So it's like, but, but once you get that figured out... It's really good. And then, like I said, it uses... Compared to, like, before, uh, the Uncharted Golden Abyss on the Vita, which, for that launch game, you know, it's a big AAA game from an established Sony franchise, and then it's, you know, it makes use of all the weird features of the console. So, Uncharted Golden Abyss, everything is touchscreen all over the place, and it's fucking awful. Like, that... It's so gimmicky, gimmicky and terrible... And if, like, Uncharted Golden Abyss was the first game you played on the Vita, you'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, all the, the touchscreen, the rear touchpad, all that shit's awful because the game makes awful use of it. Whereas Killzone, I think, makes a really intelligent, limited use of the touchpad, like I talked about earlier with the owl abilities, that just immediately sold me on how that touchpad could be used. And then it makes also a really convincing, good use of the light bar in terms of a health bar. I thought that was really effective. And then the speaker for audio logs is a really good use of that speaker. So it's like that one game proved to me first-person shooters look, PS4, or first-person shooters work, PS4 games can look fucking awesome even if they're just a launch game, and then also these like weird little gimmicky features on the controller can work perfectly fine with the most basic of AAA game genres. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, Shadowfall's not an amazing game, but it's a great launch game for a console, I think. So. Okay. I'm really um, happy that it was the first game I played because I think it's a good showcase. Yeah, I have not played a lot of Killzone yet. I played like the first level, but maybe not even the whole first level. I don't know. It did not grip me immediately, and I kind of moved on to other stuff. I will get back to it. I want to yeah. play it. Like, did you even get to the point where you could shoot yet? Because it has yes. like a really long to like that opening bit where you're like a kid or whatever. Yeah, I felt like that took forever. T- took forever. I didn't. I don't like the opening to the game. I thought, yeah. although it makes better use of David Harewood in like one hour than they did on two seasons of Homeland. He's the guy who's like your surrogate father figure. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, I like yeah, David he's Harewood. Pretty good. Um, I like that actor. I just thought they used him terribly on Homeland, which is 
Homeland's kind of a bad show, so not surprising. They use everybody badly, but it, at this point. Um, but in any case, yes. Yeah, so uh, I started playing Killzone. I don't really have an opinion on it yet. I want to play more, um, but I want to talk about kind of graphics as an overall trend okay. here because Killzone is emblematic of all the things I've seen all the other PS4 games do well as well graphically. Mm-hmm. Because what I said in my written review is that. You know, obviously the big ones you're going to see it on are Killzone and Resogun. Yeah. To me, is that that's the one where immediately anyone can look at that and notice, oh my god, that looks better. Mm-hmm. Um, but even on something as simple as Flower or Trine 2, which is a previous gen game, there's just clear improvements. And for me, they come in, and I noticed this playing Killzone, but then I saw it on other games. It's in lighting, it's in colors, it's in textures, and it's in particle effects and assets. Yeah. And just so- some... That, that was, you just listed everything basically that is okay. that is graphics right but the the lighting in particular yeah just and, yeah. and how like Shadowfall is maybe even at some points a little excessive with how much it throws in like the voluminous lighting and shit like yeah. that just like okay guys I get it it's like when you look back at Perfect Dark Zero like Perfect Dark Zero looks like shiny in like the way that it looked like they sl- like sl- put grease on everything in the environment because it's like they could finally put in like these like lighting reflection textures on walls Shadowfall feels like that of like we finally can do this really fucking sexy voluminous lighting so we put it on everything it was like okay maybe dial it back a little bit kills them yeah. like, that's, that's obviously a stylistic thing not like a like, right. horsepower thing but I think the lighting is great on that game. I think the lighting is an, an impressive effect on Resogun. I think the biggest draw you're going to see on Trine 2 from other versions of the game is the lighting. It looks really, really interesting. Like, Trine 2 has a really nice color system yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And it just looks very rich. Mm-hmm. Um, same on Assassin's Creed 4. You know, that game looks like it was developed for current-gen consoles. It's got yeah. that look. But at the same time, holy hell, the lighting is better. The textures yeah, are better. Yeah, particularly for AC4, like the view distance. Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's, yeah, way better than, obviously, what the current-gen console version would be. Yeah, so really there's been no game I've played so far that does not feel like a next-gen title. There's nothing I've played where I'm like, I could have just played this on the previous gen. And I guess I literally could. I could play Assassin's Creed yeah. 4. I could play Flower. I could play Trine 2. But they wouldn't look this good. They wouldn't play this good because they don't have this controller or this console. Mm-hmm. So that's all really cool to me. Yeah, and then like one of the other big things for the graphics is I just think there's, particularly on the games that are running at 1080p, like the 1080p adds like a subtle level of just like clarity to the image that is particularly noticeable in Shadowfall. Like, finally, I felt like on Shadowfall, like, the edges around characters were not, like, you know, have those weird points. Yep. Like, things, like the, the video game franchise that defines that for me is Mass Effect. That's like, Mass Effect looks really good, but all the character models have these weird, like, if you look at it, if you pay attention to the edges of them, it's like they have these weird points to them, particularly on faces. That's just, like, that's not how things look. And it's like you look at the character model, like particularly the one that is like I was always like fixated on because the character model was so fucking awesome. Was Echo like the main female character in Killzone Shadowfall? That's probably like introduced in Mission Three or Four. Her character model, like particularly her hood, like the subtle cloth physics and the edges of it are so fucking perfect that I felt like I could just reach out to my TV and touch it. Like the that level of detail, it's it feels fucking cool. Yeah, it's definitely. There really isn't that launch syndrome, launch system syndrome of, like, where's the where's the graphics? Yeah, it's they're there and they're going to get better. Yeah. But this is a great start mm-hmm. for everything that I yeah. that I've played at least, um, and I've sampled a lot. Even on some like the one that you know I think is the most minimal use of graphical enhancements is contrast. Yeah, but even that. There's just something about the lighting and the colors, and, and the 1080p adds more than you think it does. 1080p yeah. really kicks that up. Really so, like all those p's. Yes. 
well, it's, you know, it's more lines of resolution. Yeah. Looks good. Um, games that run at 60 frames per second, run at that and stay at that. Stay yeah, cool. yeah. Like, kill. that's one thing I should say about Killzone is that there was only, like, literally, I only noticed one time in the entirety of playing the campaign that the frame rate had, like, a noticeable hitch. And that's, like, compared to playing something like Halo 4 or Far Cry 3, where, like, I saw a noticeable, like, a similar hitch in frame rate probably, like, every 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. Until the Shadowfall ran super fucking smooth nearly the entire time, except for, like, yep. one part where I blew up the goddamn world, basically, and that's why the frame rate hitch. Yeah. So, uh, the first game, I, cause I played a little Killzone, then I played more extensively, I played some Knack. Uh, Knack is a fun game. Knack is like an old-style PlayStation game where you would... For me, it was like I had an N64. I would go over to my cousin's house. They would have these weird PlayStation games like yeah. Jack and Daxter and stuff. Crash Bandicoot. It feels like one of those. I don't know if it's as good as one of those. I'm only like three worlds in. Um, it looks great. You know, it's a very cartoony style by yeah. choice. There's no limitations there. They just chose to make it look cartoony. But even within that, the textures look really good. The environments are super colorful. Color-wise, it's one of the best PS4 games. I think it looks really nice that way. Um, and Knack himself is something you couldn't do on a previous-gen console. Yeah. The, the particle physics and effects on him are really neat. And it's a, it's a fun game. Co-op is technically terrible because the second player, the camera does not follow them yeah, at all. That. Yeah. But it's fun because it's terrible. It, it, it's like playing uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, the co-op on that, where like, right. you just... Like, where you don't even know there is co-op. It's just, like, if you happen to have a second controller plugged in, then the other person can play as Tails, but the camera follows Sonic. So it's like, as soon as Sonic runs off the screen, which is every fucking second in a Sonic game, Tails is just, like, left behind and has to, like, spawn back in. It's really funny. Yeah. It's completely unplayable. Knack is not completely unplayable in co-op. It's just a little tough, but it's fun to play. Um, you know, I'll play more of it soon. It's, it's good. Um, I don't know if it's worth 60 bucks. Yeah. I'll say I'll say this. Okay. I really, really, really wish I had just bought Assassin's Creed Four and no other disc-based games because for me the draw of the PS4 so far is the stuff I can download and the indie games and the smaller games. Um, and it's not to say I'm not going to enjoy Killzone when I play it. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's going to be good things about it. Um, you know, I get deeper into Knack. I'm sure I'm going to have fun with that. But so far, the highlights of the launch library for me are the downloadable games. So, like, Resogun is my favorite exclusive so far. Yeah. I think it's I think that's yeah. a fantastic game. It's yeah, a small game. It's an arcade game, but it's... Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compare it to Killzone, but I'd right. say it's, like, it, it is a more solid, well-constructed game on the whole, but that's also, you know, noting that it's on, like, a fraction of the scale of what Killzone has to do, so... Yeah, but Resogun is just an example of it's a, it's a you know, a tried-and-true genre, twin-stick yeah. shooter, but it has these very simple foundation. You can move you can shoot you have bombs you have overdrive and you have boost and you also have to save the humans yeah. there's 10 humans on the level I would, I would say actually Resogun not so simple a foundation in terms of gameplay it's actually like it well, doesn't what, it's it, only got 5 levels it is a massively complex game like it is not just like oh it's simple but then when you dig into it it's complex it's like no you have to probably play like 2 levels before you totally understand the basic mechanics okay. of the game that's probably true but I just I feel like it's, it really tests your mind. It's yeah. very strategic. It's, it's great. It really, you know, when you're playing it, it's firing on all cylinders. You're using all your senses. Yeah. It's a... It's fucking... It's, it's such it's, a good fucking game. It's stressful as hell, Holy too. Holy shit. And it, to me, it's the most graphically impressive because the number of assets and the things that happen when it gets crazy. Yeah. I've, I've never seen anything remotely like that. It's it's so crazy just how much is going on, on screen. Yeah, just, especially when you get to that last level, it's yeah. just like oh my god. And yet never hiccup. It's going at yeah. sixty frames per second, ten eighty p. Yeah, yeah. Smooth is just so smooth. Yeah, 
It's great. Um, I like... I've, I've played a good amount of Trine 2 now. That is not a PS4 exclusive or anything. Yeah, no, that's not exclusive. It's on everything. <laughs> yeah, like, Trine 2 is the town's bicycle video game. Like, that game is on fucking everything. But it doesn't give a shit. But, you know, so I'm late to it's the party. Game, I'm late to the party. Trine yeah. 2 is awesome. Trine 2 is great. It's a phenomenal co-op game. If you have a you know, friend you want to play, and it's, you can do couch co-op, local co-op. Mm-hmm. Works great. It is... Everything Knack is not in terms of co-op. It is, like, it is built for co-op. Yeah, it yeah. works really well. Um, that's a great game. Really makes use of the PS4. It looks next gen. Who's your, I'm trying. Who's your favorite character to play as? I mean, I like all of them, but I typically Thomas would mostly play as the thief. That's he, the right that's, that's the kind of character he plays. I mostly played as the wizard, but I also liked going in. I also liked going in as the warrior when I had to fight goblins or stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would always just hum to myself the uh, the the um, dwarf theme from Hobbit yeah. while I'm fighting because I got my hammer and yeah. it's just yeah. That was yeah, that's for me fun. with trying. It's like thief all the way. That like that grappling hook is so much fucking fun to use. It's awesome. God, that game's good. Yeah, I, maybe I should just get that game for PS4 and replay it. Yeah, it's twenty bucks. It's worth it. I like that. Uh, I haven't played a significant amount of Flower yet. Again, that's a PS3 game, but they yeah. ported it over. Flower's pretty um, good. I like that. I like that one, I, uh, but I, I play the PS3 version. So okay, Does well, that... you have it for free now. Yeah, well, no, because I don't own it. My, oh. my roommate owns it. So oh, okay, okay, that's how I played it. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it's only six ninety nine. But you get it for PS three, PS four, and Vita. That's nice. Um, I've been playing a little bit of that. I started Contrast. Haven't gone any further with it, but I thought that was cool. I am mostly excited to dig into those smaller games, though, like and finish those. I am really psyched, and I may even be forgetting about some that I've gotten. But it's just. Did you try any of the free to play stuff? Like not uh, yet, because I played a little bit of Blacklight and a little bit of Warframe, and Warframe in particular seemed kind of cool because you had a laser sword, where nice. like. Maybe it was more like a lightning katana. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it was pretty fucking cool. Blacklight seemed like first-person shooter, and I yeah. already had Killzone, so I was kind of first-person shooter out by the time I played it. And but I like that those free-to-play games are there. Like, that's a cool... Yeah. Like, there's just... You know, I got my PS4, and I have, like, seven or eight games on it already, if you yeah. count free-to-play in, like, the games I got for PS Plus. Like, it's yeah. just crazy. Like, honestly... On my priority list, I'm playing Assassin's Creed 4 as my main game now. Yeah. Trying to do some knack on the side because I, I might be doing a review for that. Um, but I, just, I haven't had a lot. I don't have a lot of time this week after school. Um, it's been a busy week. But, um, you know, my, my priorities are I want to finish Assassin's Creed 4 and on the side I want to play all these indie games. And I'll get to the, my disc based games when I get to them, I guess, but they're not at the top of my priority list at all. Those, mm-hmm. those, the indie games are so exciting to me. And it, it's really encouraging for me because I love the idea that. Not only is the PS4 this powerful indie game system, and there's a bunch of great stuff there at the start. Only a small amount of it is exclusive, but it's there. Yeah. You can play it, and it's better than ever. It's better than on any other platform, you know, really. Uh, maybe maybe you can have a PC running these, yeah, some of these yeah. games as well. Trying 2 is but... better on the PC if you have a PC that can run okay. it well, like, which yeah. is almost any PC. Yeah. Like, if you really want to get Trying 2 and you don't care about, like, couch co-op, get it on the PC. But it's just there's this convenience of playing it on yeah. the PS4, which is great. Like, getting to take, you know, make a funny video out of it, and that's fun. But... You know, overall, it's like, not only do we have these indie games, but they really make use of the power of the PS4. They look like PS4 games, and hopefully we'll be getting a steady stream of them. Yeah, it's, like, I'm, I'm waiting for Octodad to come out. That is yeah. the true coming of the PS4, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, for 16 bucks on, on the PSN store, I got WrestleGun and Contrast, because those were free. I got Flower, and I got Trine 2, and, you know, paid less than 20 bucks for all of it. And yeah. I'm going to love all Because that's using, like, the $10 store credit? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I still haven't used my ten dollars store credit yet. Yeah, um, I also have a five dollars store credit for the Amazon PSN store. 
I might use that on the Assassin's Creed 4 season pass, mm-hmm. which is a good transition because my favorite game on the PS4 so far, just in terms of what I've had the most fun playing, is Assassin's Creed 4. That game is phenomenal. Yeah. And I, this is kind of funny because this is my first Assassin's Creed game, yeah. so all of it's new to me, but you tell me most of it kind of feels new. Well, like, I wouldn't say more mo- like 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 yeah. I would say everything except for like the combat feels basically the same, but everything around that feels massively improved to me. So it's just all of it feels new to me. You know, I've never played an Assassin's Creed game. I briefly thought, man, this is so good. Should I go back and play other Assassin's no, Creed games? No, no, that's not a franchise you want to go backwards. Okay. That is not ever no, never go backwards with Assassin's Creed. Okay. Like I can't imagine. Like, all these subtle improvements they've made over, like, iterating on that game every single year since 2. Like, going from Assassin's Creed 4 to, like, go back and play Assassin's Creed 2, that's got to be completely impossible. Like, the combat and the climbing is just so unrefined back then compared to what it is now. Yeah, it's just, it's such a great game. And it, you know, it makes very good use of the PS4 um, graphically. You know, it definitely looks like a current-gen game in terms of how sort of textures look on a base level, how character models look. It looks very similar... To me, to like The Last of Us, yeah, to Tomb yeah. Raider, that kind of look, but better. You know, it's all more colorful, it's all more detailed. The draw distances are just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and then just every gameplay mechanic in it to me is so much fun, and I have so much fun going and getting collectibles. Almost like I had so much fun doing collectibles that I delayed getting to the ship stuff, and then I got to the ship stuff, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. This is like my second favorite vehicle in, in a game behind the horse in the yeah. Red Dead. Man, it's it's a good game. It feel it's crazy to think that this is a part of an annualized franchise because this feels yeah. like a very polished installment in the series. Yeah, and I even like the story and stuff. Like it, it's very welcoming to newcomers. Yeah, uh, other than maybe the Abstergo stuff. Yeah, but like you can blow through that like immediately as soon as it gives you to it and be like, yeah, well, fucking whatever. I want to be a pirate. Yeah, and you know, it or just... you can walk around the office with your fucking iPad and look at like right. QR code sticky notes on the wall. It's like the weirdest fucking collectible ever. But, you know, really, it's like, I feel like it's so welcoming to newcomers because this is genius. You know, Edward Kenway, the main character, he's not part of the conflict that these games have, you know, been chronicling. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck about the Templars. He's only wearing the Assassin's costume because he killed a guy and took it. Yeah. And, and then the only reason he took it is because he found a letter that was like, hey, if you come over here... It's, and I will recognize you by the unique assassin's outfit you wear, which is fucking hilarious, because if you're wearing an assassin, like, if you're an assassin, you want to be inconspicuous. So if the game finally addresses the fact that all the assassins wear the same fucking outfit, so everyone should be able to recognize them on site. Right. But whatever, if you come here, I will give you an award. So literally, the only reason... He's fucking wearing the assassin's robes is to try to make a quick, cheap buck by scamming out the, the governor of, like, Havana. But That's see, it. But see, this is perfect because I have no... I have no, you know, investment in the Assassins versus Templar thing. And you have no investment because it's terrible in the yeah. other games. So you start with a character who also thinks, I don't give a fuck, and you get to not give a fuck about that, yeah. and go blow ships up and, and steal things, and be a pirate and do whaling, yeah. and get shanties, and listen to your crew. It's so fun. Like, I think the moment I fell in love with, like, the, the pirate storyline of Assassin's Creed 4, that, like, so far has been really cool, is, uh, there's pretty early on when you go to the, the governor of Havana, and you find out, oh, he, these are Templars or whatever, and the assassin you killed was, a, like, an assassin who went over to the Templar side. Like, this is 
really early stuff, so it's not really a spoiler. Yeah. And then you all, like, him, like, the governor and his, like, two uh, Templar buddies are, like, standing around this table with, like, a map on it, and they're talking about, like, the observatory and all this fucking dumb bullshit that's has to be story stuff. Yeah, and you're just fucking, they give you, that pops up the objectional option, uh, optional objective of pickpocket three people and the only three people in the room are these Templar dudes so they're all they're having this super serious conversation about like the father of understanding will guide us to the observatory and we will make the world a perfect place and shit and you're just fucking taking their money it's just like Edward doesn't give a fuck it's like there's this crazy shit happening like right in front of me he's like fuck it I'm gonna make some money it's like okay like, okay, I, Sensuke 4, I'm in. You you figured out that your story is fucking terrible, and you don't care anymore. And I will say, I think Edward, at least as I play him, is one of the worst people I've ever seen in a video game. He's a yeah. monster, but it's so much fun. Like, you know, the stealth stuff in the game is actually really good. I really yeah, like it and enjoy it. I think it's well-designed. Yeah. Which but, is, I never thought I would say that about Assassin's Creed game, because all the other ones have been fucking terrible this first stealth. But these ones... The stealth missions are very well designed, I think. Yeah, but oftentimes when I'm not in a, in a mission, I try to be stealthy. But sometimes I'm just trying to get a collectible. There's like 20 dudes between me and my chest. They are all going to die terrible, yeah. terrible deaths. Like the counter and stab them through the face move? Yeah. yeah. You will just fuck people up and not care. Like like sometimes there'll be a chest and you know you have to walk through a door and there's two guards. I just walk up, stab them both yeah. in the face, grab my chest and walk out. Edward does not care. I don't even loot the bodies. I just want them dead. Yeah. Like, for me, it's definitely something that I appreciate about the stealth being really good, but then also them never, other than I think, like, a couple of missions, never, like, forcing stealth on you, but, like, a lot of times it feels very optional of, like, yeah, like, I can get through this area without being seen, and that feels really cool, but then if I do get seen, it's just like, okay, fuck it, you just stand up, it's just like, I, cause my dude, me, bro. Yeah, like, my dude now has three pistols, so I just pull out three pistols, kill the first three people that come to me, follow my swords, and then just... You know, do the Assassin's Creed thing of counter, then kill chain, all of them in, like, five seconds. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. There we go. I'll admit, the one thing that I feel like they glossed over from a tutorial level is I'm still getting used to the fighting system because it's just not something I have experience with, so I'm yeah. not great at it yet. I'm getting better. But it's like, it's something they definitely, that's a trial by fire part of the game. Yeah. And that's fine. But and this game has a pretty elaborate tutorial structure. I mean, I'm twenty percent, twenty five percent through, and there's still I'm, tutorial. Yeah, missions. I'm a little bit further than you, and I'm I'm still getting to little like like there are little tiny bits of tutorial. Like I right. think the next mission is going to explain what the forts are on the map. Like yeah. that's the next one I have. So and it's the tutorial missions are actually really yeah. fun. They do that in a well well designed way. But yeah. yeah. And the map for the game so is insanely big, fucking huge. Like because we were talking when we were playing Rizogun on co-op last night, and the the when I first played Assassin's Creed Four, I was expecting the map to be the basic size of what like the other Assassin's Creed games have had because they've all been like since Assassin's Creed Two about the size of the Assassin's Creed Two map, and then so and that's more or less like when you just load up the map normally once you get into the open world, it's just like the the. the the rectangle that it has, that's about the size of, like, what I would expect the maps to be with, like, you know, being able to go into Havana, and Havana's a full city, and, like, Nassau's a full city. It's like, okay, this looks like a decent-sized game. There's probably, like, one other city in here. And then eventually, I, like, zoomed out, and was like, oh, this is a bit bigger. And then I was like, I zoomed out all the way. It's like, this is a pretty big map. And then I started scrolling around the fully zoomed-out view, and it's like, oh, fully zoomed out? It still only shows about a fourth of the entire map of the fucking game. Holy shit, this yep. map is like... 
This is like Grand Theft Auto Five size. Like it's fucking ridiculous in it's, terms of like places you can actually go. It's crazy. I mean, it's great because like I was playing last night, and there's a mission where you know you have to. I had to go pretty far. I was going from Havana to a really long ways away, and it's not even half the map or anything. It's, yeah, I think I know the, the basically yeah. the mission you're talking about. And I could have fast traveled close to there, but yeah. I didn't want to. I just Me wanted either, to go yeah. there, and it was just so fun hearing the shanties and going around and yeah, and like stopping off on like yeah. islands or along the place and like finding buried treasure and shit. Captain overboard. Yeah. And then I love whenever you, like, dock and then you come back on the ship, everyone's like, yeah, Captain's back! And it's like, fuck yeah, I am. Let's go do some shit. They love you because the way you get crew is so awesome. You have to go save them from, like, hangings and stuff. Yeah. I love that. That's a great mechanic. It's like, you know why your crew loves you. Yeah. Because you're Edward fucking Kenway. Yeah. And and then now my Edward Kenway has a sick fucking brown coat. He looks like the Tenth Doctor now. I like his voice actor, too. Yeah. Like, a lot of the voice acting of the game, I think, is really good. Especially, they have, a uh, Like, they and they, they play this really coy, but it's, like, the dude, Ed Thatch, he's fucking Blackbeard. Like, he... But I like that you meet him before he's Blackbeard. Yeah. Have you, have, he, have you seen him as fully Blackbeard yet? I don't think so. I think, I think you're about to get to that part. When he comes in and he's fucking Blackbeard, it's awesome. That dude, Ed Thatch, I love that fucking... He's got... So, he's got a great fucking Blackbeard voice. So, every time he's on screen, I really like it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Um, any other games to talk about? Um, try to think of like other stuff I've played. I mean, like like I've only played a bit of Need for Speed, and that game seems really good. Okay, it's like, I, I wish yeah. I had gotten Assassin's Creed and Need for Speed because yeah. that's my kind of game, and I want to play it. Yeah, but like in Need for Speed, like I like that game. Like I just played probably like the first thirty minutes of it, and it was so good that I was like, okay, I need to stop playing this because I need to seriously give this game time, not just like because I I only really got Need for Speed because I had the buy two get one free. I was like, okay, this is the only one I'm even interested in. I was not expecting it to seem so fucking cool. So, and I actually heard from several reviewers saying it's a light, it's a lot like Burnout Paradise. Yeah, it's very Burnout Paradise. It's not so like only you know playing the very beginning of it. It doesn't grab me quite like Burnout Paradise did like immediately. But as someone who's averse to racing games, yeah. for that to be a reaction at all says yeah, 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 yeah. All right, um, let's move on. Okay. The, we're down to the last subject. We're almost done here. Um, multimedia. There's not a lot to talk about here because there's not a lot yet. The PS4 yeah. is a gaming console. They're very focused on that. And while you can do sort of basic multimedia functionality in you know relation to video, you can play your Blu-rays, your DVDs, your Netflix, most of the apps. Yeah. Um, music is kind of right out unless yeah. you want to use Music Unlimited, which is terrible. That's the only app that has slowed down so significantly. I thought I was going to have to restart my PS4. Music Unlimited is a broken app. It does not work. Um, I haven't like I've used I I've like loaded up my three day trial of it too okay. and like it's the least responsive app uh, that I've used so far but I wouldn't call it broken for me like it's the, pretty the most, broken for me I... the most frustrating thing about it for me is that like if I try to switch to it while I'm playing a game it's the only app that then like has to load that's like even yeah. that's not like a huge deal because you can switch songs in like whatever playlist or whatever you're using by holding down the PS button and like accessing it that way and that's really fast but yeah like if for me. Like trying to switch to Music Unlimited while like switch back to Music Unlimited has to load up, which no other app has to do that. Which that's like my favorite thing about the PS4 is that it can just like move between apps instantaneously, basically. Yeah, I maybe I've just had a poor experiences with it. Maybe I'll give it another try. Yeah. It seems like a cool service in terms of they have everything. I mean, they have well, very new stuff. They don't have Led Zeppelin and they have barely any Pink Floyd. So oh, never like mind. for fuck me, it. like fuck it. Like if for if you're into new music, that's what I meant. That it's kind of that person, sure. I if, was you're, in, if you're into good music, it's no. 
Yeah, and I haven't. I only listen to some of the new stuff. I don't listen to a lot of new music. I was. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't even necessarily trying out music I even like. I just was impressed. Like yeah. I, I didn't know they would have a catalog of the, all the newest stuff. Yeah. But yeah, not. And I assume it does not have the kind of music I listen to either. Yeah. It doesn't have it persona does, music. It does. Yeah, like that was actually. If you go to Music Unlimited and it has like search history, the first thing I put in was Shoji Meguro, and that's like literally the first thing I put in. I was like, motherfucker, it's not. Then after that, it's Led Zeppelin, and then it's Pink Floyd. But uh, yeah, like what the well, the, the one thing that I did like about Music Unlimited is that it has you know because it's like a Pandora or Spotify like that kind of service, so it has like genres or whatever of music that like it will just like here's like rock music and it will just like which I like it's I like how we still just have rock music as a category. It's like when rock music goes back to the fucking fifties of just like what you just call rock when you have a genre that's just rock. Like, I literally, like, just had, like, listened to a song by David Bowie and then a song that came out, like, three years ago, back-to-back. Like, that doesn't... That should not happen. They are not of the same genre. But whatever. Like, you know, you have that and it'll just, like, make a playlist of, like, rock music. And then it's cool that they have... They have one that's game music that's just, like, from video games and that has a bunch of Halo music in it. So I was listening to that while I was playing Killzone Shadowfall multiplayer, (laughs) which is a weird... Like, I was listening to, like, the Reach soundtrack while I was playing Killzone Shadowfall. It's like... This feels like physically wrong, like these because Killzone was initially positioned as a Halo killer for the PlayStation Two. That didn't which, pan out. Yeah, which that did not work out for them back then. So it's like having Halo music with Killzone just like felt wrong. But then where I was massively disappointed with Music Unlimited was I picked the the genre that was just eighties music, and then I quickly realized. That my conception of 80s music and what 80s music actually is are very different. Because when I think of just 80s music, I think of like Take On Me or like Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. You know, like that like synth pop genre of music. Yeah, me too. That was literally only made in the 80s and it's like in every 80s music movie. So that's why I think of it as 80s music. But when you fucking load it, or when at least when I loaded up the 80s like genre thing on Music Unlimited... Literally, like, every single song, I was just scrolling through them, was, like, sappy, like, country love songs that just happened to have been made in the 80s. It's like, that's not 80s, like, I don't, it's not 80s music just because it came out in the 80s. It's 80s music because it only could have come out in the 80s, you know? Exactly. fuck you, Music Unlimited. But other than Music Unlimited, you can't use your MP3s, you can't play your audio CDs, there's no DLNA, you can't stream videos, you can't do picture viewing, any of that. It's extremely limited. I assume, For now, like I, that's yeah. they, they've like I feel like Shuhei Yoshida has more or less confirmed that that's going to be in there. Like he said, they're working on. Yeah, it, so like yes. up to the point of it being official confirmation. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that's the only place where I feel like some of the MP3 support should have been there at launch. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's silly. Um, yeah. Audio CD not being Although, part weirdly of it. enough, like, I think, like, basic MP3 support for, like, off of flash drives is not going to be on the Xbox One either at launch. Weird. Yeah. Weird. So, who knows? Maybe it's harder to code than I thought. Yeah. I just... It's the same thing, like, with audio CDs. I'm like, how can you build a drive that doesn't play them? Does That's got to be more work at a certain level. Because... It's probably I, not. It's probably... It must be more work to make it play audio CDs. Or I just... I didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. It's weird, you know? Um, and that's that's only you know I I like having those things. I'm gonna have to you know my PS3 is gonna have to stay out for a little while longer for some of these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, as a Blu-ray player, I don't think the PS4 is as good right now. Um, in part because it does not have a remote. You have to use the no, controller, yeah. and you know that may not be a big deal for a lot of people. It's and not honestly, for me. Like that's well, all I do is 
play and yeah. fast forward basically. So. Well, but here's what I was gonna say. They while they something they did cool is that they rethought how to map like the remote controls onto the DualShock Four, and it's actually much better than I've ever seen on a controller before. If you're playing a Blu-ray, pretty much everything I as kind of a power user for movies would need, I can get to really simply on the DualShock Four. But I still, the remote for the PS3 is my favorite remote for anything ever. It's so great. And I wish it was supported. I hope they, if, they, if either, if it's not supported, I hope they at least come out with a remote for yeah. the PS4. I'd buy it because I want to use it as my primary Blu-ray player. And a remote is still easier for me for that. But the DualShock 4 works great for it. No real complaints. It's just like, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd, use, a, I'd use a remote if they had one. Yeah, yeah watching so, some of my Gamma Ray Blu-ray. It worked pretty well. So. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, for the Blu-ray interface, I think it's nice. I still like how the PS3 did it more where they had the info at the top or bottom. Because on a widescreen movie, it would not interrupt the picture. Hmm. Um, it's just little things like that. Like, I obviously use my PS3 as a, you know, I very heavily use that as a Blu-ray player. Um, for some things, I might still. But, you know, you can do everything you can do there on the PS4. Although, 3D Blu-ray is not supported at launch, though it will be coming. I don't have a yeah. 3D TV, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and I don't, don't, don't really care about it. I don't have a 3D TV or 3D Blu-rays. Yeah. Uh, any of the movies that I would want to watch on Blu-ray wouldn't even have 3D Blu-rays in the first place, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I own some 3D Blu-rays because that was the only way you could buy them. Mm-hmm. But, they, I mean, I just use the 2D disc, yeah. obviously. Um, except for the Dread 3D disc, which is awful, and they just give you the left eye image, and it's blurry and doesn't work. <laughs> so... That's a little disappointing. Um, in any case, so yeah, I mean, it all works. Um, for a DVD and Blu-ray player, it's a very fast Blu-ray player, I should say. It loads stuff lickety-split faster mm-hmm. than the PS3. Um, so no complaints on all of that. It's just, you know, there are things they could do to improve it. I hope they do. Um, for now, as a multimedia machine, the PS4 isn't great, but you can do a lot of the stuff you would do before. Like, if you primarily use, you know, Crunchyroll and stuff like that... Yes, yes, that's... yes. works great. That's, yeah. Although I will say, literally the like the only the only multimedia I've used on it is just Crunchyroll so far. So that works well. Netflix works well. Um, Hulu, however, I just Hulu's so stupid because sometimes like Hulu uses its own proprietary keyboard for the input yeah, of logins yeah, and password. Yeah. What the fuck, Hulu? Yeah, it's I so thought we slow. were. I thought we were past that because the PS4 fucking keyboard, like like the UI basic keyboard, is fucking perfect. Like it's as, yeah. as far as like that for a controller keyboard interface is yes, like that's as good but as it can be. You can't even do like use a button to caps lock on the Hulu one. Yeah, you have yeah, to. It took me so long to input my really simple password. Yeah, it, it's like. Like I have, because I actually haven't used the Netflix, like the new Netflix app, that much. But I like the old Xbox 361. Like when you go into search, it would bring up that fucking. I know. Un- I don't understand why this is still a thing of long horizontal, just Jesus straight. Brothers, yeah. yeah, the alphabet in order that you have to scroll through the entire fucking alphabet and like one through zero to to fucking select. Like that's bullshit. That's so. I don't understand. And the only place that it actually is awesome is in the PS4 slash PS3 store, where, it, where if you go into search and it gives you that like as a vertical list of just the alphabet. But when you pick a letter, it then like it takes out all the other letters that would not like give you another search result. So it's like if I put in P for because I'm everything I would look for on the PS3 store is basically just Persona. I put in P, it knocks out like Z and like X and like everything else that would not then follow P in any sort of word. And so then I pick E and it narrows it down. Like, that's an incredibly fast way to do that. That's the only one of those I've ever seen that works. Right. So, yeah. If, unless you're doing that, just use the fucking, like, built-in keyboard for anything. For, for PS4, 
for a PS3, for Xbox 360, presumably the Xbox One, just use the basic UI keyboard. It's well, always better. And Netflix and Crunchyroll were good for me on that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the, they have a new Netflix app. It's identical to the new Netflix PS3 app. They both launched on the yeah, 15th. Yeah, the Crunchyroll app is very similar to the PS3 okay. one as well. Um, the, the thing about the new Netflix app, it's fine, except I cannot figure out how to start a video from the beginning. It's just wherever you were, it makes you start there and you have to manually rewind. Yeah, like the... I even tried the options key. Nothing. The second version of the Xbox 360 Netflix app was abysmal. Oh, yeah. Like, so, so and I've I always liked the PS3 yeah. one a lot. I don't like this version as much as the old PS3 version. That disappoints me a little bit. I don't heavily use Netflix, so it's not a big problem. Yeah, like I said, I haven't actually watched anything. Like, I just, like, loaded in Netflix to, to see what the interface was on the PS4. I haven't Although, actually watched anything yet. Although, streaming quality was better on everything I used. Because it's just That's more nice. it's more stable. Yeah. Like, you know, I was watching The Three Doctors last night. That does not need to get up to the Doctor Who episode. Yeah. That's an old Doctor Who. It doesn't need to get up to quality. Yeah. But it came in so stable. It was like, this is this looks like a DVD to me in some ways. Yeah. And it was the same with Hulu and, and all of these. Is that it just got to whatever the maximum resolution was almost immediately and on the PS3 or Xbox it would take a couple minutes yeah for me like like I said the only thing I've like watched anything more or less extensively on with as far as multimedia goes is Crunchyroll for those who don't know it's basically just an anime streaming service which is also not available day one on the Xbox One which that's that just if anything, that right if out. anything yeah was like sold me on getting a PS4 at launch and not getting an Xbox One it's that if I got an Xbox One I would not be able to use it to watch anime immediately out of the box that's a fucking deal breaker but like for the Crunchyroll app on the PS4 yeah like the the quality is a lot more stable in terms of like it gets to the highest quality because you know there's no reason I can't stream HD like 2720p anime and it just gets that really fast and it stays there whereas the PS3 app in particular had a lot of trouble of like switching between quality and then when it would do that it would like skip back like five seconds or something and so that got really frustrating and so far the PS4 app the Crunchyroll app is about a million times better than the Xbox 360 one because the Xbox 360 one would constantly run into weird points in the video where it would like basically crash the app and every time you went back to that point in the video it would crash the app basically like if you had a scratched DVD it's like you got to that point and it just couldn't play that part and so you'd have to like skip past it and get as close as you can to this weird inflection point of just like it can't play this to like keep on watching it how does that even happen? I don't know like I've only ever seen that like the Xbox 360 Crunchyroll app is like so infuriating to use because it has because it does that a lot and then also sometimes the Xbox 360 Crunchyroll app would start playing videos where the audio was normal, but the video was at a slower frame rate, so the video and audio was out of sync. Like, I have no idea how that's possible. So far, the Crunchyroll app has only, on the PS4, has only crashed on me once on, like, the day it came, on the day the PS4 came out, and that was when the, like, the servers were somewhat down for PSN and stuff, so it was, I think it had something to do with that. But other than that, it's been totally fine. No weird issues, so... I have a yeah. better Crunchyroll streamer than I used to have. So, And overall, you know, these things I like using more on the PS4 than any other console for what we've just talked about, but also you get to use the DualShock yeah. 4. You get to... The console starts faster, yeah. all of that. Oh, um, and number one, the coolest thing is that if I'm... You know, because this is actually what I was basically doing when I was using Crunchyroll, is I was, like, playing Resogun and playing Resogun until I got really frustrated because Resogun is really incredibly hard. And then I would immediately, if you double tap the PS button, it basically brings you back to whatever the last app you use. Cool. Yeah, so you can just, you can basically have one game and one app loaded into the memory at the same time. Although the game has to suspend if you're using the app. So basically, 
I would be playing Rezogon back out, like, double tap to go back into Crunchyroll, but to do that, it has to suspend Rezogon, which doing that is just, like, a, like, two-second little, like, okay, it's suspending, and then immediately drops into Crunchyroll, wherever you were, like, if you back out of Crunchyroll to the main menu while it's playing, or, like, Netflix, I assume, probably does the same thing, it, like, automatically pauses the video, and when you come back in, the video just starts playing again, and you can just, like, and if you load back into Rezogun, it just, like, unsuspends basically instantaneously. So switching between apps like that is used to be like on the Xbox 360. If I wanted to do that, it would be a massive hassle. So it was like either I'm playing a game on my 360 or I'm watching anime on my 360 or a movie on Netflix. And I'm like, never the twain shall meet, you know, like, like that is such a lengthy experience to go in between those that it's like I'm doing one or the other and then taking a break and then switching over for, for the, on the PS4 like it's it's actually kind of awful for you because it makes you never want to stop because it's like I could always be doing I could, something. Yeah, I can all either be playing this junk video game or watching this junk anime. It's like I can just to practically do them at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. It's really cool. And and then if I have to go to the bathroom, it doesn't even stop. It just takes over your life, dude. Because then I just remote play. And if I'm watching an anime, I can fucking remote play. It. Or if I'm playing Rezogun, I can remote play. It. It's 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 too good at some point, right? Yes. It's too much. And here's the last greatest thing about multimedia. Yeah. You put your DualShock 4 down, that sucker's never going to fast forward for you. Yeah, yeah. In part because I think they've... No, yeah, no. It's fast forward is still L2 and R2, but it's there's just that perfect like little base. They're not going to yeah, fast yeah. forward. Yeah, it's not going to accidentally depress when you put the controller yeah. down. So, yeah. Unless I've, you like, dropped it on the triggers. Yeah. I have not... Yeah, I have not run into that problem, so... Good stuff. All right, Sean... Let's wrap this up. Okay. Final words about the PS4 for now. Obviously, we're going to have many more discussions about this system. Yeah. About for, the games. The next. Yeah. Forever until if new consoles ever come out. Who knows? Yeah. Um, what do you think? What would be your parting words about the PS4 right now? I think it is a hell of a fucking system. Like, in, in terms of... It's, it's better than I was even hoping it would be in terms of, like, the basic UI and basic functionality. Like, in terms of stuff... Like I said, I spent like two hours as soon as I got the system just manipulating every piece of the UI I possibly could. I've spent most of the time with my system either like playing games but then also trying to figure out how to understand the system and like like the way the weird quirks that the system has. And it has them. Like it has some flaws. It has, you know, either like little things that we didn't bring up like sorting like stuff with trophies and friends are not really there right now that they should be. But like, they're, like the complaints I have are so minor and could be fixed with firmware updates so easily that, like, there's no critical flaw with the PS4's user interface and, like, basic experience that I can find. And that are there are bunches of awesome little features like being able to switch between a, a media app like Netflix and go in a game near instantaneously. Or, or being able to just put in disc games and play them almost immediately as it caches to the hard drive. And just, like, it being able to load up super fast, like... You know, like I said before, like the 360 takes like five minutes for me to load up at this point to actually like get to the main screen and then load into a game. Whereas if I wanted to play Shadow, like Killzone Shadowfall right now, I could be into the game in probably about 30 seconds to a minute from like a cold boot, you know? Like that's so nice and so refreshing. The system's just so fast. And even I think, you know, there's been a lot of sort of like cynicism, I think, around the launch titles, the launch lineups for both of these consoles. But I think Killzone Shadowfall is a surprisingly good game. I had a lot of fun with it. I think, like, if you're someone who's, 
Like, I feel like that game got a lot of bad rep in terms of, like, the reviews because partially, I think, reviewers are really tired of first-person shooters, which is understandable. But if you're, like, you know, like, I haven't played a first-person shooter since Halo 4, so I had a lot of fun with it, so... You know, and then obviously it, all the like the third party games like Assassin's Creed Four and Need for Speed, while those are not you know like critical next gen experiences, they are really good games that are improved by playing them them on the PS4. So yeah, I don't think anyone should be lacking for games to play on PS4 yeah. right now. I think it is what I described as my review is it is a healthy launch lineup. Yeah, it's not spectacular. Yeah, it doesn't. Nor is have, it bad. It doesn't it's, have a Halo or a Super Mario sixty four. No, but like nothing does other than like those consoles you know right and it's I feel like if you can't find a couple of games that you really like for the PS4 right now you're not a gamer at this moment in history because there's something for everyone in yeah. a, at a certain level um, you know okay there's not a killer art JRPG but you know it's, yeah but it's, hey, it's, <laughs> those take a while to make yeah a killer JRPG has not come out since 2008 <laughs> unless you count its remake in 2012 so okay um, but no it's just like you know there's something there's so much good stuff there's I'm still excited to play Need for Speed which I haven't even gotten yeah. there's all these great indie games so, a lot of the best stuff is not exclusives but you know what the experience of playing them is better here yeah. and that should be the draw of a console at a certain point is yeah. that as a piece of hardware it makes things better and that's my ultimate conclusion it's just that you know the the whole idea of console gaming is to take the idea of gaming you know with this the, the power you know the best gaming we can have today yeah. and hopefully deliver it in a simplified package yeah. to consumers that is really intuitive to use is really fun to use and takes away the stress of gaming which is what PC gaming gives you yes. lots and lots yes. of stress yes it does there's very true. Very little stress in using the PS4. It just works. Yeah, especially like getting it past this point. Like the, you know, on launch day, the PSN stuff was a little frustrating. Like right when I got it, but other than that, you know, they smoothed everything out. Like like you said, like the internet functionality has been rock solid since the launch. Yeah. So that's like, yeah, getting the console from this point on can only be better because like as you get it out of the box, like one in like the manufacturing is just going to get better. So like the number of like defunct. Uh, PS4 is going to decrease naturally over time and then you know even the like if you're not interested in getting one now because I, I actually I don't know how hard it is to get one now but it's probably pretty difficult like the Sony has such a good stable of first party studios that like you know just Infamous Second Son is coming out in March and that's that game looks fucking awesome so I think if you're if you're interested at all in getting a PS4 like I think it's something it's definitely a thing to get if you're if you're interested in it because I think there are going to be good games coming out for it soon and, and games that you're definitely going to want to play even if none of the titles other than maybe Resogun because Resogun's fucking awesome that are on it like exclusively right now are like must have games they're going to be here I think pretty soon and so yeah yeah and you know here's my recommendation I made very similar to yours I said Look, if you're not all that interested in next gen, if you're a casual gamer or even a hardcore gamer who doesn't, you know, feel the huge yeah. need to get something new, look, the PS3 and 360 are going to be around for a long time and they're going to be supported. Yeah, for at least games. a year to like at the max two years, like most third party games I imagine are going to come out on both systems. And so. you know, they they there's good games still coming out. There yeah. will be good games coming out, even good exclusives and stuff. Yeah. So you know, you're not missing out on a ton, but if you really want like the idea of a next gen console if or as simple as this if you feel like a PS4 looks cool to you get it you will not be disappointed yeah it's a great system if you can get it get your hands on it um $400 is kind of a steal for this thing that's a good yeah. price point um it's awesome yeah it is a great video game system 
and uh, I look forward to however many years we have with yeah. it. Yeah, it's like the system is so good. That I'm like, I'm really frustrated that I didn't manage to beat Dark Souls before it came out because I really want to finish Dark Souls, but I don't want to boot my 360 back up. I don't want to go back, you know, to everything being so fucking sluggish on the UI side. Yeah. So you have to go back and play Dark Souls. It's like, oh God. Well, it's like, you know, all the reviews came out today for Super Mario 3D World, and now I really want to play that game. But at the same time, because of the PS4, I want a Wii U even less. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just want... Yeah, I I just want Dark Souls on my PS4. Like, that's... Yeah. That's what I want. I don't want like to have been, back. There's been some talk of different games being ported to the PS4, like a rumor that Ubisoft is making Tomb Raider for the PS4. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking rebuy it and play it that way. Yeah, I, I, will, I will buy it for the first time that way, probably. Yeah, I just want to play it on this console. I just want to play stuff here. You yeah. know, it's pretty cool. So that's it. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Okay. You're not going to hear a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk Thor The Dark World. Sean, you ready for this? Maybe. Yes, sure. Fucking Thor. Let's do it. Okay, let's talk some Thor The Dark World, Sean. Okay. Okay. Um, Can we just call it Thor 2? Yes. Like, let's just... I just wanted to... Fuck the subtitle. I know, I just... just, First time we talk about it, no, it's Thor The Dark World. No, it's Thor 2. Now we call it Thor 2. No, it's not... It's never Thor The Dark World, other than on the title screen. Everywhere else, it's just... Fuck, it's Thor 2. Okay. It's the second Thor movie. It's Thor 2. Yep. It's so weird now, because we have the Iron Man series. One, two, three... But then we have Avengers and Captain America and Thor, and none of those are going to have numbers. Yeah. So oh they wow. have numbers in my head. If I get like the DVDs, I'll just get a sharpie and write them on the box. Or you could do like I love that the uh, Fast and Furious series on Blu-ray just has numbers on the spines for all of them. Oh, that's nice. So you can easily organize them. Yeah, because like you know, if you are someone who didn't know anything about the Fast and Furious series, trying to organize those just by title in terms of like chronological order is near impossible. So yes, well, with the Fast and the Furious. Or Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Furious. Which one is first? Who fucking knows? Do you drop the definite article later on, or do you add it? I don't fucking know. The exact same characters are on the cover. <laughs> they look slightly older on this one, yeah. but I don't know. Okay. Sean, what did you think of Thor 2? I feel like we've... This is like the third time I've said this, but I really fucking liked it. Yeah, and I... Man, I had such a good time with Thor 2. I was I was doing some teaching. I, I had some students I was doing some tutoring with, and uh, I finished at like 8 at night. And I was really hungry, and I had wanted to see Thor 2 for like a week and a half now, and I'm like, fuck it, it's late at night, I have school in the morning, I'll just skip biology and sleep in, and I'm going to go to the Alamo Draft House and watch Thor 2, and that was one of the best nights I've had in weeks, because Thor 2 was great, Alamo was a fun place to see it, they showed funny Loki cartoons and stuff beforehand, and then Thor 2 is just, the best thing I can say about it is that I had the same just goofy, giddy grin on my face and the same sort of warm feeling in my heart that I had watching Captain America. Yeah. Which is sort of... I think The Avengers is the best Marvel movie, but sentimentally, this and Captain America might be my favorite just because they so play to that part of my film-going heart that loves pulpy, comic booky kinds of stories mm-hmm. that are just unapologetically pulp and fun. Yeah. And... You know, the thing is, still on top of that, they're good character stories and they have good action and, and good character moments and stuff and good stories. But there's just something tonally about Thor The Dark World that they nailed so completely that you just can't help but love it. Yeah. yeah. Or you can. Critics didn't really love it. Damn, but it's not their kind of movie. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them. 
yeah, I don't know how, like, this movie's just so much fun, and that's, like, it. Like, that's yeah. all it needs to be. It's just so much fucking fun to watch. I don't know, like, how you can't enjoy it, you know? Just, like, well, enjoy it. I mean, there's a couple things going on there. As you, you just noted about Killzone, you know, critics are kind of yeah. tired of first-person shooters. Critics are very tired of superhero films. I don't think they want them anymore, and that's... I mean, I don't think a single superhero film this year got over, like, a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's just, it's not a thing that people are, the critics really want anymore. And I think Thor The Dark World is something where, you know, I think some people want to be, you know, embarrassed by having fun with it. Nah, it's just fun. Yeah. Things can be silly. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I really impresses me about Thor The Dark World is that it's silly, but it's silly in a way that is so completely organic to the story being told and to this world and to these characters that it's really good, actually, on that level. Because they can go from having a serious moment like, okay, we're talking spoilers. Yeah. The funeral for Thor's mom. Great dramatic scene. Mm-hmm. And then you can jump to Kat Dennings saying something awesomely funny. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a tonal thing that is tough to nail. And I don't think the first Thor movie nailed it. I don't yeah, think... Yeah, it, it had troubles with that for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think all of the Marvel movies have hit this on the head. Iron Man 2 had trouble balancing humor and pathos. Um, this movie just hits it. And it hits it in a great way. It's the funniest Marvel movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's also got some of the best action. It's got some of the best character work. It's just a fun sequel. And it improves upon the original. I think it, it doesn't improve upon Avengers, but it takes the character further from where we saw him in Avengers. Yeah. And Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the returning characters, they find something for everyone in the Thor universe to do. They give everyone a moment. Heimdall gets to be a badass in this movie. Thor's mother gets to be a yeah. badass in this movie. And yet you never feel like anyone's getting cut short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and it, it's like it is sort of Avengers-esque in that way of it being able to juggle. You know, obviously it has its main cast that it really focuses on but Thor has such a large just like cast of like you know the Warriors 3 and those kind of characters that they get their special moment more, much more so than in the original Thor movie that I thought like the, the Warriors 3 and like Sif and those characters felt super sidelined to the point where I didn't even understand why they were in the movie anymore right. whereas here it's like you know they have the whole like the like the weird heist sequence or whatever where Thor needs to escape from Asgard and everybody gets a cool little moment there and that's kind of it like that's all they really need they get their moment and then they let the movie go on yeah yep and but they also do a good job etching relationships out like you know I wouldn't even necessarily say they spend more time in this movie than they did on the first on the Thor Jane romance but you know the first movie kind of it, that's actually a strength of it that it didn't make total logical sense but you saw the chemistry really fast mm-hmm. in this movie you see both the chemistry and the deeper attraction in a very economic time frame yeah they do a lot of stuff economically in this movie yeah and then they, they made a really good decision of like having the main plot like like Jane having to be integral to the main plot in this one whereas in the original Thor it just it felt there was absolutely no reason for at some point for her to really be in the movie she was and, there and, because Thor landed on her yeah, car yeah exactly it's just like uh, like like her character felt thrown in because Jane Foster is a character from Thor and Thor needs a love interest but in that movie Thor did not really need a love interest and in this one it makes sense and it works and it's not horribly distracting like these kinds of characters like love interest things are in most of these kinds of movies to me yeah but I mean they did such a good job by the characters in this I mean obviously Loki is going to get the most attention because 
Tom Hiddleston is stupendous. Mm-hmm. At this, I mean, he's kind of one of Marvel's best assets at this point. Yeah, he's getting up to like Robert Downey Jr. levels because people love him too. I mean, and he, you know, he will go to bat for this company. You saw his stuff at Comic Con where he yeah. came out as Loki. People love Loki, and, and I think that's a big reason why Thor two did big box office. Yeah, and impressively so because you would I would not have thought five years ago Thor would be doing a ninety million dollar opening weekend. That's mm-hmm. nuts. This is not a character that people knew about before Chris yeah. Hemsworth. Well, hey, um, nobody knew about fucking Iron Man until before Robert Downey Jr. Well, but that's the thing yeah. about Marvel. They've taken characters who, by all rights, should not, in the public eye, be this big. Yeah. And they've made them this big by going back to comic book roots. Mm-hmm. And there are companies that would tell you you can't do that. Like Warner Brothers, they want to avoid doing anything non-gritty you know, Christopher Nolan with Batman. But, you yeah. know... Or at some point Superman. Superman. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Marvel is proving them wrong every every turn because yeah. Thor The Dark World is an unconventional, weird, wacky superhero movie. This would not have been made even five years ago. It is so offbeat in some ways for superhero films, but you also see the evolution that Marvel got to make this. Yeah. This could not have come after the original Iron Man. Yeah. This couldn't have come after Iron Man 2. You know, this is something that they had to build to by doing something as crazy as the Avengers and pulling that off. Yeah. And then like, or at some point, just something as crazy and weird as the original Thor. Thor yes. Which is just like... Cut that like Thor coming out of the same studio like basic overall franchise as the Iron Man movies is fucking crazy, and then also having Captain America a fucking like World War Two Indiana Jonesy style like adventure movie like all those being from the same franchise is crazy and awesome because that's just like how it is in the comics, you know. It's like these characters should not mesh in any way. These tones and themes should not mesh in any way, but they totally fucking do, and it's totally fucking great. Yeah, it's it's awesome, and you know. So like I said, Loki. I mean, I know you have some thoughts on how what they did with Loki here. It's some really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, in particular, I thought like a, a scene I just thought was super striking and just really well done in a way I wasn't expecting this movie to do at all. And just incredibly poignant is with you know after Thor and Loki's mom is killed by by Christopher Eccleston by the Ninth Doctor, and then Thor goes. He's down. in a really dark yeah. place right now. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's right after the Time War. He's still it's all he's all fucked up. And he's like, why isn't Paul McGann in the 50th anniversary? He was so good in the Night of the Doctor special. What the fuck? And so he starts killing people. Yes. Or maybe that was me. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, you've been killing people, Sean? No. Okay. Anyway, so Thor goes down to the prison cell where Loki's in, and Loki is standing there in, like, his big, cool fucking costume and shit and, like, acting all calm, and Thor's, like, talking to him and, like, trying to have a conversation about, like, like getting him out to do, like, for revenge and shit, and then at some point Thor's just like, Loki, like, you have to stop, and then... Like, this, like, hallucination comes down, this illusion comes down, and you see, like, Loki's in the corner. Like, you see that the scene in the trailer a little bit with, like, his hair is really long and stuff, but you don't have that context of, like, he was putting on this illusion to, to hide the fact that, like, his room has been completely destroyed because he just wrecked the entire place. It's like he's dirty, his hair's long, he just looks messed up. Like, it's just an incredibly poignant moment of where, like, he, Loki's trying to put on the illusions that he always puts on and Thor's able to see through it in like this really nice moment that like again like I was not expecting well, that movie to be able to pull a moment off like that and it totally did and it, you know it tells you a lot about Loki it tells you a lot about Thor also yeah. that he he knows his brother well enough mm-hmm. at this point to see that and he also you know saying that is also a way of showing he cares about him yeah that, and I think that's one of the most We'll talk about Loki more, especially in regards with the ending and stuff later yeah. on. But, you know, I think I was actually really impressed. And not a lot of people have talked about this. I was impressed with what they did with Thor as a character in yeah. this movie. Because he is... 
vastly more mature than the Thor we met from Thor 1. In fact, I think he's had one of the best arcs in the Marvel series, of mm-hmm. going from this absolute, you know, egomaniacal jackass in yeah. Thor 1 to That's who like he is... gunning, like, because in Thor 1, he's, like, gunning for the throne of Asgard, yeah. thinking he can, he's ready to take over he's not... fucking Thor, the god yeah. of thunder, like, who, who dare oppose him? He and Loki are not that, you know, much different morally at the start of Thor 1. Yeah. And it's just they've gotten to this place now, and, you know, he matured over Thor 1, he matured more over the Avengers, and who we see here is a guy who, he's very mature, he could lead Asgard, he'd be a good king, yeah. he's... He's very responsible. He wants to be responsible for his people. He is very selfless in many ways. Um, but he's also got a lot of inner confliction, and I think they play with that really well, particularly in regards to Loki, because that's eating him up. And they yeah. do it in very subtle ways, like in that scene where he says, you know, put down the disguise, brother. Yeah. But this is something that, you know, how would you reconcile that if this had happened to you? There's a, very, there's a level of emotional realism to that and to Thor's struggle in this movie. Also in regards to Jane, where one of my favorite things is that at the beginning of the movie... He, he's, he's thinking about Jane a lot, but he hasn't broken any promises to his yeah. father. He's not going down to see her every night or anything. And a lot of superhero movies, I feel like... It's like the end of Amazing Spider-Man, where Spider-Man says, some promises are yeah. meant to be broken. Fuck, Fuck God, that. Fuck that goddamn ending. Fucking holy shit. Yes. That, is, that is something Peter Parker would never fucking do. No. Like, promises are so fucking important to that character. This is like, fucking Jesus, that ending's so bad. But, you know, so Thor, he's very adult about it. It's yeah. like, yeah, I want to be with Jane, but... Sadly, I've got bigger fish to fry here. And and when he does go to see her, it's out of absolute necessity. Yeah, I really love all that, and that they can. And that's something you know, I think for a lot of writers in Hollywood and whatnot, there's this perception that if a character has matured or had an arc or fulfilled an arc, he's harder to write for. He's less interesting. Yeah, that they're it's done. You know, yeah. like the the story always ends when the people get together. You know, it's like yeah. you never see. A functioning relationship in any story because apparently think people think that's impossible. But it's not. Some it's reason. not at all. And yeah. that's Thor two kind of proves that to me because Thor is more interesting here than he's ever been to me yeah, on I film agree. at least. And that's that's not dissing the other movies at all. It's just that he gets richer as he goes along. And Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth is fantastic. I mean, you know, it's it's they've cast everyone in the Marvel movies so well at this yeah. point. It's just it's they're they're the people who cast these movies are geniuses. But Chris Hemsworth is just like. No one else could play Thor. He's so fucking good as Thor. Yeah. Man. And he's a damn good actor. I mean, I saw him in this other movie this year called Rush that he is great in. It's more of a, like, Thor 1 performance because he's kind of an egomaniacal person in that, too. But uh, he's, he's got a range to him also. But yeah. as Thor, I just, you know, I love when he puts on the voice. And he is still, he plays it like a god. But yeah. now he's a god who realizes he's got a place in this universe. And he's got to fulfill it. Yeah. And it's just like it's just so cool when he you know he comes down to Earth for the first time in this movie and he's like full on in costume and shit and it's just yep. like like especially I think like the costume design for the Thor movies like his costume and Loki's costume are so fucking cool looking mm-hmm. it's like when they are next to normal human characters like like Thor and Loki don't look ridiculous the humans just look like pathetic compared to them you know like right, it's right. like wh- who are you like people like like they gives the effect it needs to give of like Thor and Loki look like fucking gods whereas you know if you watch like the old Superman movies and Superman's in costume next to like like he's rescuing someone who's in the normal clothes Superman just looks like kind of a buffoon right. it's like his costume just looks weird and it's all made of like normal cloth and stuff or it's like Thor's in this big like like ornate armor with this like long flowing red cope, coat or cape and he just looks fucking badass well this know? is something I wanted to touch upon is I think uh, Alan Taylor directed this movie. He is best known for directing a lot of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I think what Alan Taylor brought to this movie for me was there's a level of realism to all of it. And that may sound weird to people because this yeah. is a silly movie in some ways. 
But, you know, realism in film, we use that word wrong. We just yeah. flat out do. When someone says that didn't feel realistic to me, what you're actually trying to say is that did not feel organic, that didn't feel yeah. like my own experience or something. I didn't relate yeah, that, to that. Yeah, that didn't feel like, like that felt like what just happened and like the setting and everything else about this movie have just conflicted with one another. Right. You know, and, I don't think there is such a thing as realism on film because yeah. film is inherently unrealistic because we don't view the world through cameras. We don't view the world through editing. These things make the world unrealistic. They just do. And so, but when I say Thor is realistic, what I mean by that is that, okay, we start from the premise that there's Asgard, there's Nine Realms, there's Thor, all this stuff has happened. What organically comes from that? And I think the answer a lot of people think with superhero movies is, well, it has to be really dark. That's Christopher Nolan's answer. Yeah. And and that's a valid point for for Batman. For Batman in particular, yes, that makes a lot of, like, the dude started out with his parents being killed. It's dark no matter what you do at some point. Um, But I feel like for Thor, what's going to be organic, it's going to manifest in different ways. So what Alan Taylor does here is, I think, on the physical level, like you were talking about costumes... Thor 2 looks really tactile to me. Mm-hmm. Like all the costumes do, they made Asgard look a little more like just a place. Like yeah, you could a go more and lived in. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something interesting we think a lot about in fantasy is that a lot of fantasy realms look so CGI or, or overdone that it's like, well, that doesn't really exist. Asgard looks like you could walk around in it. Mm-hmm. It's like Middle Earth. It looks lived in, yeah. like you said. And I think that a lot about, like, like one of the scenes that really struck me is they have that early fight in one of the nine realms um, where one of Thor's, like the Thor's Asian alien friend yeah, yeah. his realm um, that's just a forest and it looks real you mm-hmm. know it looks otherworldly but it looks real yeah um, there's a lot of that in Thor 2 and in the production design and whatnot. and so there's that realism to it it's very tactile but then all the responses all the character stuff whether it's hilariously funny or really dramatic or really both at the same time like the final yeah. fight scene yeah it's that's what would kind of happen mm-hmm. and like my favorite example of we'll get into like humor later on maybe but like my favorite example of all this kind of conflicting or coming together it's like you said when Thor comes down to Earth yeah. to meet Jane we have you know yes he, he's standing next to them the humans look pathetic like you said yeah. his and Jane's re- reaction to each other is very natural actually it's yeah. not this swirring music and everything it's they don't really yeah it's not like they're like running through the field it's like Jane Thor and then they embrace yeah it doesn't do that they they don't know what to quite say and then Jane has to go do something and so Kat Dennings walks up to Thor they really don't have a relationship (laughs) yeah like they've like said like five lines to each other across like this movie in the past one you know so Kat Dennings says hey how's space he says space is good space is good and I just about died laughing at that it's, but it's so perfect because I yeah. feel like that's an exchange these characters would have. Because yeah. what else is she going to say? Yeah. And, and what else is Thor going to say? He has been in space. Yeah. It's been okay. Space is good. God, that fucking scene starts so great where, like, before Thor, like, is revealed, like, where, like, the rain is not falling on them. And then yeah. Jane, like, sees him and starts walking over. And, like, it's, like, then Kat Denning starts getting rained on because Thor's obviously, like, creating this, like, bubble of non-weather around Jane. Like, that's just such a great fucking joke of just, like, it's also really effective because it reminds you of Thor's power, too. Of that yeah. he's not just strong, he's the god of storms and thunder. So it's, like, he has the ability to do that. It's fucking... Like and that's like the thing about this movie in particular that like a lot of the Marvel movies do, but I think this one gets down more than anything else for like my personal taste and why I really like it is that you know it's a comic book movie and I watch comic book movies because I really like comic books. I've read a lot of comic books. I like that style. I like the characters. I like all that shit. And comic like if you like you know if you want that weird conflicting like drama and kind of awkward but really funny comedy that is where comic books live like that is its bread and butter especially marvel comics 
And so this movie just like so many scenes like that scene there's a scene where it seemed like near the end like right before the final battle where Thor like puts his hammer up like on the <laughs> coat rack when he walks into the dude's house like that's fucking great when he's like he's been knocked halfway across the world and he gets on like the subway train to get back to the fight that scene the, the Captain America cameo all those scenes are like the dialogue and the, the direction and the pacing of them are so perfectly comic book that when I think about those scenes, I swear to God, I can see them in panels. Like, I can see the joke. I can see the word bubbles. I can see the, like, the art. Like, I can see that as a page on a fucking comic book. I can't do that with any other movie. Like, I can't just imagine that scene in a comic book like I can with this. Like, it almost feels like this movie was a, like, literal direct adaptation of a comic book story, which it in no way is. It's not a direct adaptation of any comic book story at all. So that's like to me that's so incredible that it can produce that effect for me. Like I can definitely see Thor hanging up the the hammer as just a little panel on the end of a page. Yeah. You know? It's just you're right. It's it's so perfect that way. But, you know, talking about, you know, realism in these characters, I think what they do with Jane, Natalie Portman, is actually really impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how much longer they're gonna have Natalie Portman here. She yeah. she signed on to this right before winning an Oscar and whatnot. And I think it's you know, they, they got her for Thor too because she's contracted. Hopefully they can get her back. She's really good in these. Yeah. But she does something here there's some there's a truth to her work in here that I think is really good where, you know, when we talk about sexual tension, we usually talk about that through banter and stuff. Yeah. There's actual sexual tension. Between Jane and Thor in this. Yeah. Where when they look at each other, particularly where Natalie Powell Natalie Portman looks at Thor, there's just a raw sexual energy to it that they don't hold back and they don't try to get rid of. She's playing yeah. that. And it's yeah. it's actually something that she does in Black Swan very well also. Um, and it's one of the things that propelled her to win an Oscar is there's kind of that sexual realism to it. And that's not the same as like male gaze, sex- she is not sexualized. Yeah. She's kind of, you know, sexualizing Thor because he's fucking Thor. Yeah. And, you know... That's you know yeah he's got a pretty big hammer you know? <laughs> yeah actually he he doesn't like 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 his actual literal hammer is like weird and small and like a one hand like Mjolnir looks really weird you know right but in any case I just think there's something they do with that that's really interesting and then building off her character arc on top of that where they do that very funny scene early on where she's with Chris O'Dowd at the diner yeah and it's 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 like a version of scenes we've seen in movies where someone's kind of disappointed about losing a boyfriend but it's not quite that for her it's yeah. that things are just kind of out of whack yeah and it's just like especially because you get both the like she's yeah like she like her relationship with Thor is like in this weird nowhere zone but then also this sense of like she was intimately involved with like all this shit like that then with like in the larger Marvel Universe context is like she knew Thor, she knew Loki, or, like, she didn't know Loki, but she knew about Loki and Loki actually existing, and then, like, all the shit in New York happens and the Avengers and stuff, that, like, the world's in a weird place, and Jane's in a particularly weird place because she was involved in it and immediately, like, cut out from it with, like, no real explanation or anything, and so she's just sort of, like, lost. It's really... Like, this movie, like, all the post-Avengers movies, like this and Iron Man 3, I think, do a really good job of, like, feeling like they are a post-Avengers movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I think Natalie Portman's really good at projecting that. I like her arc in the movie where, you know, we have her, she interacts with the, what's the MacGuffin in this movie? Uh, the Ether, I think. Yeah, the Ether. Yeah. Um, it was actually a cool MacGuffin. I like it. Yeah. But, um, you know, she, she gets the Ether put inside her and whatnot. And she has some cool stuff, especially on Asgard, interacting with people. She, it's, again, she holds herself very well as what would a human who is very, very smart, 
but also, you know, a little out of her league. Even if she knows about Thor, she's the first human to go to Asgard. Yeah. This is, this is you know, different. And she plays that kind of stuff well. I like her interactions with Anthony Hopkins, uh, Odin. Yeah. That's all pretty cool. Um, I think the movie... I think she's out of the movie a little too long in the second act, where especially once they escape um, with the, like, the Ocean's Eleven scene where they yeah. get out of Asgard, she doesn't have a line until, like... Late after they get the ether out yeah. of her, and that's just a little awkward. It's just because she's there, but she's not there. Yeah, it's like the movie like takes the time to really focus on Thor and Loki. Yeah, it's not a big problem. It was just something I noticed, and they, it's not a problem because they bring it back around and focus yeah. on her, and she has a full arc in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they do kind of a weird thing where they choose to show Thor and hers re- reuniting at the in the post credits tag, and that actually didn't bother me because the actual ending of the movie is perfect. Yeah, yeah. Then it's like in. You know, in the like in the scope of things, Thor and Jane's relationship is actually not that important. But here's the other like, thing, it's though: nice that it's there, but yeah, right. But we also know we've been we've come to con- be, be conditioned to watch the end credits tags, and this one is actually substantive because mm-hmm. I think in the back of our minds we know Thor is going to go back and see Jane. There's nothing stopping him now. Yeah. Um. So, but just getting that fulfillment at the end—that's the perfect kind of post credits tag. You know, because it's not like they're taking something out of the movie yeah. of fulfillment. We know it's going to happen. We know they're on a good place. You know, Jane at the end when they're eating cereal, which is a funny scene. She's not angry or bitter or anything. Yeah. She knows Thor's got, got he's got stuff to do. She's yeah. got stuff to do. Yeah, that's like that scene again, like so perfectly captures like the weirdness of like it puts you in this moment of like what would it be like to have this boyfriend that is like an alien god guy that's like how you can't call him there's no way to contact him he just transports across dimensions to Asgard and is gone for a couple of weeks you know like that's just this weird mundane them just having a conversation over breakfast about that it's It's like the shawarma scene from Avengers yeah exactly it's just like it's so absurd but feels like so natural that it like it has to happen because that's what would happen right were the situation to exist the Avengers would go out for shawarma yeah it's like they you know like just Fuck it, like, why not, you know? Yeah. So great stuff there. Um, I mean, what are the characters to talk about? I think they did great work with the Warriors 3. I thought they gave... Sif had some good stuff, and they didn't overplay it, but I like the idea of she and Thor are probably from a, you know, like, arranged marriage level, meant to be together. And I don't think it's like Thor loves her. I don't think she loves him, but they're both aware of this kind of push-pull sexual chemistry. Um, That's an interesting beat for her to have. She has good stuff in um, in the scene where they're fleeing. Yeah. Um, they re- they recast the skinny guy as Zachary Levi now. Yeah. Um, who was Chuck on Chuck, and I really mm-hmm. like him, and he's really good here. He's got a really like swashbuckling tone to him. Yeah. And so I like his scenes. Um, Ray Winstone is the big. I don't remember their names. But... Yeah, the, like I I have a hard time remembering the like Volstagg is the big guy. Okay. This, Vol- he's awesome. Volstagg's awesome. Yes. Yeah. I if they do Thor three, I you know I'd like to see more of him. Yeah. He's basically uh, Thor's Gimli. You know? nice. yeah, yeah, he is. And, and he's got a good scene at the end where he has the hardest job of all of them. But he pulls it off. Yeah. So they do that. They, I think Odin has even more interesting material here where you kind of see where he's coming from because he's basically got this almost like you know racist stance against the Dark Elves. Yeah. And he's willing to sacrifice everything, but you also know why because he's been tasked with this. And in fact, that's one of the interesting themes they touch upon is the idea of leadership mm-hmm. and the different views on leadership because we have Thor, Loki, and Odin, and they've all kind of got different views and Thor ultimately realizes he can't be who he is as a leader. He's seen what yeah. that's done to Odin, who is a great man, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's seen what the want for leadership has done to Loki. So that's all. I think those are all interesting things they do. They never overplay any of this, but it's yeah. there. It's it's not a dumb movie, you know. They've clearly thought these things out. Yeah. But what other characters do we need to talk about? 
Um, Malekith. Like, yeah, the main villain, Malekith. But, like, the, the thing about Malekith is I don't think there's a lot to talk about him. Which I is think... like, it's not a big deal for the movie because you don't need a massively charismatic villain. But I still think, like, that's, like, the biggest flaw of the movie to me is that, like, he needed a little bit more. Like, he just felt, like, such a nothing presence to me for most of the movie. And see, I, th- I don't think he was a nothing presence. I agree, like... Like, I thought Christopher Eccleston actually was able to act through that makeup a surprising amount. Mm, and right, I felt yeah. I felt an intimidation from him. I felt... Like, I felt what you were supposed to feel, which is basically he's a force of nature. He's a threat on a sort of, like, natural level because this is who he is and this is what he does. I, I did not think he was a great villain or anything. I thought he worked for the movie. Um, and I had no real complaints. Like, I didn't feel I needed anything more. But... Yeah, for me, like, it, it was even more than, like, I don't even... I never found Malekith himself particularly threatening because I never felt like... You know, his, like, one bodyguard dude who, like, gets all fucked up and shit, like, he diablo-fies in the prisons or whatever. That dude's really threatening because he's just physically imposing. Whereas Malekith just, like, he... Until he gets the ether, he never seemed particularly powerful to me anyway. You know, he gets his ass kicked by fucking Thor's mom, you know? Right. Yeah. It was was fine, Um, you know... I was, I was a little concerned at the beginning. I'm like, are they going to have Christopher Eccleston talk in this fake language the entire movie? Yeah. He got a couple lines in English. Yeah. So. But it is just like, I don't know. I wish they had cast Christopher Eccleston as a different villain because he he's a great actor. And he is. that would have been cool. Oh, well. It just like feels like you could have cast more or less anyone in this part that like, like not anyone, but you know, like you don't need a really awesome actor to play Malekith because he had like no material really to do. Yeah. Um, but either way, you know, it, it worked for me. I um, We should talk about some of the action in the movie. Sure, yeah. They There's some, you know, I don't want to say conventional, but there's just sort of basic action scenes very well executed in the yeah. first half of the movie. Like we have the, 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 the first side of opening action sequence where Thor is on that other world. Yeah. That's a really good just, you know, kind of get us into the flow yeah. of things action scene. And then I thought I was really impressed actually by the scale and scope of the one on Asgard where Malekith attacks. Yeah, so um, just because you have the scene where Heimdall like jumps onto the like the first so ship great. that comes and blows it up, and then he gets off, and then he turns around and sees like, oh, it's it's like that scene in Halo Reach where you blow up the first supercarrier right. where George dies, and then you're falling back to Reach, and then you see like a dozen supercarriers jump into space. It's like that scene, of, like, oh, fuck. well, fuck, yeah, <laughs> we're that's, fucked. That's the other character I wanted to mention. They did great work with Idris Elba in the first movie. Yeah, um, he's even better here because yeah. he gets some really cool stuff. I yeah. I love Heimdall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a gr- that's a really good action scene. It's very complex, very multifaceted, and it ends with you know the gut punch because you've come to like her at that point of yeah. Thor's mom dying. Yeah, and, and you don't really expect her to die no. right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't even become a possibility until Malekith gets in the room, and even then, it's like they're not going to do this, right? Yeah, and they do. It's it's not like it's a cardinal sin to kill that character. Yeah, it's just you wouldn't necessarily expect it. They go there. They have a really cool funeral scene. I yeah. like I like Asgardian funerals. Yeah. I want to go out that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, like, you know, give me a normal Viking funeral, but then once I get to the end of the waterfall, I just, like, turn to cosmic dust or whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. And where they launch all the fire, the, the flaming arrows for all the different ones. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, but good stuff there. And then I think, this isn't quite an action sequence, but it's really cool, is the heist sequence. Yeah. The caper scene. Yeah, it's a really nice change of pace. Of Yeah, like, it's not an action scene in terms of, like, it's not a fight scene, but it's a scene of action of, like, all these characters taking action to accomplish an objective. And it's nice that it's just, like, the objective this time is not just to beat something up. It's, right. like, a nice little, like, hey. 
it's something that I think Marvel's been doing post Avengers is Iron Man th- is kind of playing with genre. Like yeah. Iron Man three is a James Bond movie in a lot of ways, and Thor two has that caper scene in it. Yeah, and it's just fun where they can experiment a little with those things. Yeah. But that caper scene is great. And then you know when you get to the Dark World, um, a lot of good stuff with Loki. Yeah, and that's a scene. I, th- I want to talk about that for a minute because mm-hmm. obviously the movie ends, and maybe we'll talk about this more at length, like the implications of this later. But the movie ends with Loki has survived and he's done something with Odin, and now he yeah, is he's king of sitting Ant. on the throne, disguised as Odin. Yeah, yeah. So in this scene, it's it's really well set up where you have all this great interplay between Thor and Loki. But then when Thor lets Loki loose, Loki goes batshit insane and cuts yeah. off Thor's hand and stuff. And I I was a tad disappointed when that troll turned out to be fake because I was like. They went for it there, Jeez. but then they all put it all pulled it yeah. all back. But kind of inevitable because they cut off Thor's hand. Yeah, like that was my reaction to that scene. Was at first we're like, because I think he like stabs the Thor once and Thor like falls down or whatever yeah. before he cuts off his hand. And there I was like, oh okay, like this is Loki being Loki. He's like he's used this opportunity to escape and manipulate Thor's naivete. Like that's a little weirdly predictable. I didn't think this movie would do that. And then Thor's trying to call his hammer, and Loki cuts off his hand, and then my mind, like, that's such an extreme action that my mind immediately goes to, how do you, like, this all of a sudden creates this massive issue? That, like, if he actually just cut off Thor's hand, like, that's the rest of the fucking movie, is dealing with the fact that Thor lost his hand. Like, now he has to get, like, what, does he have to get a robot hand? Like, is he gonna call up Tony Stark and have him fucking make Iron Hand for him? Like, what? That would be a great cameo. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... This is just a crazy situation that you've just created. You just cut off Thor's, like, like hammer hand, you know? And then, so then I immediately was, oh, wait, but Loki cut off his hand. Loki's the, like, he's the fucking trickster god. Okay, this is all an illusion. That's like, I, for me, they pushed it a little bit too far where I realized what the trick was. And it seems for you, like, they pushed it so far that you were like, oh, this is fucking crazy. And then when he yeah. pulls back, you're like... Oh, like it's not as crazy as it right. was. Yeah, but but I think it's an effective scene either way. Like, oh, it's, it's cool. It's very effective. It's a really good use of Loki, and I like seeing how Loki fights off the yeah. Dark Elves with his trickster powers mm-hmm. and stuff. And and their plan works, and it's cool, and you know it sets up the finale very well. Yeah. But Loki also quote unquote dies here. Now I assume yeah. neither of us assumed he was actually dead. We yeah, no, obviously yeah. not. And then, then they even give you you know like that token scene where the dude right. arrives at the Dark World and then. Yeah. Like sort of like cuts to him, and you see like the little bit of Loki effect, and it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. hey, Odin, we so, found a body. Did you see any clues in the scene itself that would indicate what Loki did or how he survived? Like what um, happened in that no. scene? Like, like it, it was like, like he, Loki stabbed the dude in the back, and then the dude stabbed Loki with the sword. Uh-huh. That he like it was very uh, reminded me of like the uh, Star Trek. Uh, the last Star Trek movie. Thinking of Star Trek, like like oh. that whole like fight scene, like. Vaguely reminded me of the scene at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Oh yes, alerts because of like the like stab all the way through, and the dude like grabs the sword. Like, oh, that's like, true. This like there's also when Data dies at the end, uh, Shinzon does that too. No, Picard. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's like Fellowship of the Ring is a better movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like that. Yeah, I didn't notice anything there of like, oh, this is how Loki obviously survived. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know if they're going to explain that. Probably they, not. It's yeah, you know. It's, that's not something that they like don't need to do that no. like we can you can figure like come up with some explanation in your mind it was yeah. a life model decoy the entire time like I'm interested to go Loki back and... was still in the prison the entire fucking time he, he disguised someone else and sent him out with Thor and then he just escaped the prison and killed Loden and took him in the front <laughs> that would be Loki would do that yeah I would be interested though when I see the movie a second time to look at that scene yeah um, but anyway <clears throat> the last action scene however mm-hmm. is, is batshit insane yeah 
yeah, I know you in the greatest this. fucking way possible. Yeah, of just like it was something that, like you said earlier about like the other the earlier action scenes in the movie, like you know, like the scene where they're fighting all the dark elves on the dark world. Like that's it's a really well made action scene, but it is a conventional action scene. It's like like how it reminded me of Fellowship of the Ring of like it's you know it's a fucking fight scene. You've seen the fight scene; they're still fun to watch, but it's very conventional. And then you get to the scene at the end where all of a sudden. They have the whole thing of the alignment where the nine realms are like all like whatever you know cosmology bullshit, and that's created basically almost like like a portal, like the video game portal situation of there are these rips in space and time, and you like fall through them and end up in another realm, and then like go back through. So so the last fight is Thor like fighting Malekith's army and Malekith himself, and they're like falling through these portals and land like going to the dark world and going back to the normal world or popping up in other places of the normal world all over the place and it's crazy it's like really kinetic frenzied fight scene where you have no sort of like grounding anywhere and just watching like all this crazy shit happen of them like free fall free falling through the sky and stuff and then like going back through and like landing on the ground and like there's this really great that's like both really funny and both really effective moment where thor throws his hammer because thor always does that he fucking throws mjolnir and then it gets caught into a portal and so then Thor's fighting Malekith, and they're getting caught through portals. So Mjolnir's constantly trying to get back to Thor, but Thor's constantly teleporting everywhere. So, like, Thor will, like, teleport to the Dark World, and then it will, like, show Mjolnir, like, flying out, like, out of the Earth's atmosphere to go back to space. And then Thor ends up back on Earth, so Mjolnir, like, turns the fuck around and goes back. And so that's both really just kind of, like, visually really funny, but it's also an effective way to depower Thor in that fight, because they've also already kind of established that Thor could beat Malekith because Thor is so powerful and Malekith kind of a wuss. You know? Right. It's pretty, and then just the mix of humor and action yeah. in that scene. You know, I often think in a lot of superhero movies, not really Marvel, Marvel does as well, but I think a lot of other superhero movies do dumb humor and action scenes. Like, the one thing I really dislike in The Dark Knight is that dumb fucking scene in the movie's best action sequence, the big chase with the Joker downtown. They do that yeah. thing where the kids are firing the guns and it's fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't get why it's there. It, especially because The Dark Knight is a pretty highbrow movie. Yeah. That's a really lowbrow joke. But Thor The Dark World has all that it's like that kind of humor, humorous interlude but done really well. Yeah. So like in that last action scene it's just it's constantly cutting to humorous stuff and it's even while I was really invested in the action and really on edge because the stakes are big they've been well laid out it's really you know it's tense and exciting but it's also so funny yeah and there's just great stuff like the the train scene we mentioned yeah and then one of my favorite jokes in the movie is you know I think they've got that thing where Kat Dennings and her intern which is a nice running gag yeah. they wind up making out because the intern saved her yeah and then she gets tra- teleported and they're all Jane and Eric and Kat Dennings and the intern are there and they're all yelling each other's names it's like Eric Jane and then Mjolnir comes by and Kat Dennings yells meow meow yeah and it's a great callback to this joke that I thought was funny but not like riotous in yeah. the first movie and now it's just it's like that I laughed so hard at that yeah this is pretty great yeah, like that whole that whole last action scene is really fun, really funny, and it's just tremendously creative in a way that's really refreshing. That like, yeah, it, I just feel like I've never seen an action scene like this before in anything ever, and that's fun and cool. And here's know? the moment where I really like solidified 100 percent my feelings on the movie is that during that scene, you've got Jane and Eric. Eric is the Stellan Skarsgård character who's yeah. awesome in this. Yeah, he's, he's very... gone. Like that's another character that they do a really good job of tracing him. Like, this weird supporting character from Thor 1 that, like, 
comes back in Avengers and turns crazy and then now is crazy in Thor 2 they do a really good job of like keeping that thread on that character they like, do they, you would never think that that character would become a really memorable character in the Marvel movie franchise I know and he's one of the most like my favorite ones right now for like his involvement in all the movies he absolutely is but like there's a scene where Eric and Jane are running down the hall Jane's got this you know portal manipulator or whatever yeah. she's playing with she's got these giant red boots on and that is such a comic book moment. Yeah. It is so pulp. It is so fun. It is so unabashedly silly. And I just love it. The movie wants you to love it. And it's yeah. just... it's There's no pretensions to a scene like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Jane... You know, genius astrophysicist in, like, Neil High Red Boots with this, you know, weird vortex manipulator thing. Yeah. Uh, just awesome. Just awesome. And and that whole thing. And, and you know, you mentioned Stellan Skarsgård. I also want to give major props. They... Kat Dennings is awesome in this movie. Yeah. I... I go hot and cold on Kat Dennings. I think when she gets good material, she's great. I think when she gets bad material, she does what she can with it. <laughs> um, sadly, she's been in a lot of bad stuff. But she was funny in Thor 1, but felt a little out of place. Yeah. Here, however, she steals the show in some spots. Yeah. She's great. So, really good work there. I mean, they really felt like they made the Thor universe just congeal in this movie in a way it didn't before. Yeah. And part of that is making it not Earth-locked. Mm-hmm. Even though the last scene takes place in London, they are just... You know, going through dimensions. Yes, yeah, like the last scene takes place everywhere, basically. Yeah. So lots and lots of great stuff there. Um, and then the ending is is great on two levels because I think where they bring Thor for his arc at the end, he says to Odin, you know, I re- I respect the hell out of you, you know, father, yeah. all of this stuff. He explains very coherently why he doesn't want to rule and why he thinks, as we've seen in the movie, why he would be better off doing this. And it's really the moment where Thor becomes a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no longer any origin elements. That's He's like a free-roaming superhero now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great emotional moment. You could end on that. But instead, Thor turns around, and Loki comes out of cover, basically, yeah. and gives a grin. Because Loki can't resist that. There could be someone watching, but no. <laughs> yeah. he's, yeah. he's gonna, he has to give the grin. Yeah. And we cut to credits, and it's like, fuck, I'm gonna have to wait like three years to see more of this. Yeah. Fuck. Find out what happens, like, what, what the fuck Loki's going to do now. Yeah. Such a yeah. great place to leave that character. And it's like they God they made Such great use of Loki In this movie That like That's like something I don't think we even Touched on enough Like even though He's not Like one thing I like Is that he's not In the movie Like all the time You know It's kind of like Anthony Hopkins In Silence of the Lambs Like it's a great performance And is a great character And it's great Partially because It doesn't need to Command every single scene It's like he's there For when he's there And he's great When he's there but then he's, like, absent for basically the majority of the movie. He doesn't have an active presence in. Yeah. But, like, in particular, what they do an amazing job of, like, especially, you know, it reminds you a lot of it in the scene, like, where he cuts off Thor's hand and then, like, reveals it's a trick, is that they use Loki as a manipulator and as a trickster god here better than he has ever been used in other in the other Marvel movies, you know? Like, that's because they, they replicate that feeling in the audience that like Thor has regarding Loki of just not understanding what part of what Loki is doing is an act and what part is real or if any of it is even real you know because like I said there's that great scene where Loki like lowers his facade and reveals like himself like sort of despondent in the corner of his cell but that could just be another trick because all of those events all of that stuff leads to Thor letting him out and then Loki being able to trick like to, to fake his death to then be able to come back to Asgard and usurp the throne, you know? So, like, could Loki have planned all that stuff out? Like, what part was he, like, 
how much of the stuff that he was tricking did they reveal and how much not like you don't know and that's yeah. a really it's really great writing like on a way that like it's one of the things that I'm kind of disappointed by critics not giving this movie I think a fair shake because I think that's really intelligent writing in terms of that character of making that character immensely ambiguous in a way that you cannot just simply deconstruct that you can have arguments and debates over what this character was doing why he was doing it and what he was actually doing in certain scenes because you don't you don't have any basic clear foundation on what Loki was feeling how he was feeling it why he was feeling it or what he was doing because everything Loki is doing could be a lie and you don't know right I mean where do you come down on some of that how, how genuine do you think he is at any given point in the movie like I don't I really don't know like right. that's why I love it it's just like I want to think and this, it puts you in the same spot as Thor I want to think that he's grieving over his mother because they also have that really great scene earlier on where his mother like like has like an illusion of herself in his cell like talking to him and that's like a really great moment and so it makes you want to think that Loki has like this like really human you know empathetic part of him but like his actual his ultimate actions don't make you want to like don't make you like think that's like logically true so you have the it recreates that 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 emotional and logical conflict in you as the viewer which is what I think is so fucking great about it that I don't know right. I don't come down either side because Fuck it. Like, probably, like, probably he did not feel like, like, probably all of it was a facade the entire time, but I don't want it to be because I want to have, I want him to be human on some level, you know? Right. And I, I com- agree completely with you. I think there's even an interesting implication in the ending where what he's done by dying in the way he did, he gave peace to Thor over all this. Yeah. Thor is mourning for his brother, but he also gets to have good memories of his brother now. He gets to say Loki died with honor. He gets to believe Loki was redeemed. Yeah. And this could go one or two ways. Did Loki do that as some act of mercy towards Thor? Or did he do this as a way to butter Thor up and now Thor is not going to see this coming at all? Yeah, exactly. That, like, that by manipulating those events, by getting Thor to sort of somewhat rekindle his brotherly faith in Loki, that now with Loki faking his death somewhat honorably, Thor in no way is looking for Loki anywhere because it's like... Right. He totally thinks Loki has died. He's totally accepted that fact because of all those circumstances, which is what makes you want to lead you to believe that Loki was manipulating it the entire time. Because he's the kind of character who could see that coming. Yeah. You know? So ultimately, my only regret about Thor the Dark World is we probably won't see Loki again for two or three or four years. Yeah. Because he's just want another fucking movie. Because he's not going to be in Avengers 2. And oddly, I'm more excited for Thor 3 than Avengers 2 yeah, in that, some ways. That, I don't like, know why. Right now, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way just because, you know, I'm fresh off that movie that I've right. wanted to. I really want to see, like, what direction this the next movie goes in, you know? And we've been pretty spoiled because we have gotten three Thor movies or movies with Thor in it in three years. We had yeah. 2011 Thor, 2012 Avengers, 2013 Thor 2. And a great run for everyone involved, but, you know, we're going to have to take a little break now. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, who knows? I, I, I assume it'll be one of their 2016 movies. I think Thor 2 did so well, they will get a sequel out as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're pretty book- yeah. they're booked up through the end of 2015. So. Yeah. But man, dude, fucking... I'm really glad this movie made a bunch of money because this, yes. this is a good movie. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they make of a... Like, keep making the Marvel movies like this and I will be very happy. Yeah. And, and luckily, I think everyone on board... Likes making the Thor movies. I, I don't really know what Natalie Portman's feelings on it are, but you know, other than that, I know Chris Hemsworth's into it. Tom yeah. Hiddleston is, and um, you know, as long as they've got those guys on board, 
Marvel's in good shape. Yeah. And, you know, it's good to know, too, because the Iron Man movies could very well be over on a solo level. Um, yeah. They've contracted Robert Downey Jr. for Avengers 2 and 3, but there, I don't think there's any details on whether or not that includes a solo venture in there. Uh, it may it may not. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Thor is in very healthy shape. Yeah. This completely takes over yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, like, if, yeah, if there's not a, an Iron Man 4, I feel like I'm more or less fine with that. Like, if, like, this movie and hopefully, like, Captain America Winter Soldier is really good, then it's like, I don't need... Yeah. A really good Iron Man movie on top of that again, like and, and if hope, the other franchises can sort of take that place for me. And and hopefully Guardians of the Galaxy is good. Yeah. I think this this showed Marvel can do cosmic scale very well, so mm-hmm. that bodes well for Guardians. Um they're doing Ant Man and that's a fucking Edgar Wright movie, so I have full faith yeah. in that. Um I, Edgar Wright's four movies are four of my favorite movies of all time, so yes. Um so th- yeah. Marvel's got a lot of good stuff coming out. Yeah, they do. Hopefully. Yeah. So and I and this has been a good year for me. I know I liked Iron Man three more than you, but you didn't dislike Iron Man three. Yeah, no, yeah, like most of Iron Man three, I thought was really good. I just didn't yeah. like the like ending and the twist, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, Marvel's firing on all cylinders. What they're doing with superhero movies is so impressive. They yeah. are marching to their own beat. They are not, and I think it's amazing that other superhero companies aren't. We haven't seen Marvel influence other people as much as they, yeah. like people should be taking more of these lessons. Yeah, because... it's like Marvel's influencing DC or like WB and DC in the fact of like they want to make a Justice League movie now, but not but they're like... making it via Christopher Nolan. Yeah, exactly. Which makes no sense. And it's like it feels really telling that I'm looking at the oncoming Batman versus Superman movie with like the utmost dread, and I'm looking at like Avengers two and Captain America: The Winter Soldier. You know, like. Gleefully, like I yes. want those movies to be here now because I really I'm not want to worried see about them in the slightest. Yeah, was like every piece of news I see for Batman and Superman is like, oh god, what are they doing? Like even the fact that they're just making the movies, like, oh god, why, why is Batman going to be older than Superman? That's that is like in the core of my soul. That is fucked up. Superman is the first goddamn superhero. Batman does not come before Superman. That's fucked up. That's fucked up shit right there. Indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like, I think we saw it a little bit in the Wolverine over the summer, which was a little more comic book Yeah, Wolverine had a little bit of it, yeah. But in a bad way at the end. In yeah. a good way earlier on. Yeah, that's true. In yeah. a bad way at the end. Yeah. Uh, and I think X-Men Days of Future Past looks like they are learning from Marvel in the sense yeah, of, maybe. and I think, I think First Class also was, you know. First Class had, had, had some of it in there too, I think. Yeah. So, we'll see. I, you know, Marvel's got a lot of exciting stuff going on. I'm, I'm even a little curious in their Netflix plan. Yeah, with, like, the Daredevil series and stuff like that. Yeah, mostly the Daredevil series because they've got Drew Goddard writing it, and I think Daredevil is going to work better on TV than he would have in yeah. film. I mean, all those characters definitely, like, because, like, Daredevil could do a movie because he's he's got enough stuff behind him that he could yeah. pull it off. It doesn't have to be bad. But those other characters, like Luke Cage, I don't know how you make a Luke Cage movie. Like, that character just doesn't have enough right. like as far as I know about him he doesn't have enough stuff to him to support a whole movie yeah. and even Daredevil I saw it described well on Twitter I think as someone saying you know you either have to go too big and make it too big for Daredevil which is yeah. what the Daredevil movie was like yeah. or you make it kind of small and intimate and it would work better on TV Yeah. so we'll see um, in any case this podcast is running long but I'm glad we got to talk about Thor 2 finally me too Yeah. Thor 2 Playstation 4 good couple weeks yeah if only they would I mean they shouldn't actually do this but if only they would make a Thor 2 game on the PS4 <laughs> then everything we talk about in this podcast would congeal together into probably a really bad video game maybe I'll go buy <laughs> Thor God of Thunder whatever the fuck game they made on the 360 <laughs> no you won't yeah no yeah no no I won't I'm just saying that alright guys next or this Saturday 
Oh god, that's right. Yeah. November twenty third, we will be releasing. I will try to get it out, you know, like at midnight on Saturday, so it'll be there all day. Our Doctor Who fiftieth anniversary podcast spectacular thon. That's so fucking close. I can't believe like the I can't believe the fucking fiftieth yeah. anniversary is almost here. Yep. And so we'll be talking about that. That'll be our fiftieth anniversary celebration. While you're listening to it, you know, we'll be enjoying the fiftieth anniversary special and whatnot. Um and I don't know when we'll podcast again after that because the week following that is Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Um, I'll be out of town soonish after that. Maybe we can get to go over there over the weekend and record a quick podcast just talking about the 50th special. May not be so quick because yeah. I assume it's a big episode. Yeah, but, yeah, who knows? But if we don't, maybe we'll, fucking I don't know. Maybe Paul yeah. McGann is practically in the whole thing, and then that would be awesome. Yeah. You know, we'll get to it if we don't get to it on Saturday. Yeah. We really wanted to separate those two podcasts, though, and let there just be something our celebration of fifty years of this show. We really love. Yeah. I'm also excited to watch this uh, adventure in space and time movie, the one about oh, the yeah, creation of Doctor right, Who. Yeah. It's airing sometime on BBC America this week. So yeah. In any case, see you on Saturday for yeah, our Doctor Whoathon. Shit is still just because. PS4 came out doesn't mean everything's done, you know? There's there's a lot of shit still coming. And can you imagine, what would our podcasting schedule be like if we were getting an Xbox One, too, you know? Uh, like, how would we even... We I don't even know how my personal life would be able to handle that at some point. I'm already playing so many games. I don't know where I'd put it. I don't think you have yeah. room on your entertainment center. It's such have, a big system. I would have to probably move something. Or maybe it would... There's like, there is a space that, like, I could maybe shove it in there, but... Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah, podcast is over. It's, but it's not over for long.